0: Uncharted is a celebrated action-adventure video game franchise with charismatic characters, epic set pieces, and endless amounts of pulpy charm. I can't wait to watch the... THEY CAST MARKY MARK AS SULLY? Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter. That is...
1: David. David. Oh, that make, sorry, I, I can't understand a word you're saying. Is,
0: it, is this a joke because there's a Scottish character in the movie? It is! Yes.
1: It very much is.
0: Yes. I, I, I checked. The actor's not Scottish. His accent was something, though. <laughs> He's from Leeds. He's English. This... <laughs> as a movie podcast we get together uh, we're in video game adaptation season and we're rounding off with the movie that we let our patrons vote for um, Need for Speed Lost as did DOA Dead or Alive maybe they'll come back in a future video game season but the winner was Uncharted oh boy which you know I mean as far as talking about it goes at least I am actually a big fan of the games I've played them all I love them dearly. Okay. So I, you know, I'm coming into this with opinions. I'm coming into this with
1: knowledge, which is great. I am on the opposite side of that, where I think I have watched maybe like 30 minutes of someone play it somewhere at some point in my life, and uh, that's about all I got.
0: Yeah. So this is this is different to uh, you know Street Fighter, where both of mm. us, and you were more familiar with Mario than I was, so now I'm more familiar with Uncharted than you are, so this has neatly worked out.
1: whole spectrum. Yeah,
0: this has neatly worked out. Well, we'll get into it. We'll start spoiler-free as we always do, of course. Uh, the Uncharted movie, of course, is based on the game of the same name. It stars Tom Holland as Nathan Drake, Mark Wahlberg as Victor Sullivan. Ah, <laughs> uh, dear. And then we got some other people in there. Antonio Bandera is most uh, notably as uh, the villain of the movie, so well, uh, we'll get into all, all, all the, uh, all the details and whatnot. Um, despite the fact that I'm a big fan of the game, you're probably saying, "Wait, had you seen this before? Did you go and see this when it came out?" No, I did not. I did not go see this when it came out. This was the first time I watched it because I didn't want to see it because I didn't <laughs> think it looked very good.
1: I mean, no spoilers, but uh, good call. <laughs> Yeah, I
0: mean, honestly, the day they announced Mark Wahlberg was playing Sully, I was just like, okay, I guess this isn't for me then. That's okay. (laughs) I'll just stay away from it.
1: I would love to see one of those trailers where it's just like featuring all of these Academy Award winning actors and they show it like one by one and you're super into it. You're like, yes, this movie's going to be fantastic. And at the very end, it's like, and Mark Wahlberg. And you're like, well, trash. Never mind. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's some people are probably confused cuz not everyone dislikes Mark Wahlberg like I do. <laughs> They're probably saying, "Why <laughs> why is this such an instant no-no?" Like I do think he's bad for the the part, right? Based on the character that I know from the game. But I also just mm-hmm. dislike Mark Wahlberg in general. I don't like Mark Wahlberg in any movie. I think he's shit. He's always just the same Mark
1: Wahlberg, <laughs> no matter
0: who he's playing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the best way to see that is he was in The Departed. And he was in Ted. And somehow in both movies, he is the same guy.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, up front, right? Loved the games. Didn't like some of the casting choices. Didn't think the trailers looked good. So, didn't see it when it came out. Which wasn't that long ago, admittedly. It was only last year. But, yeah, or was it the year before? I don't know. Year or two? It was
1: 2022. Oh,
0: okay. So it was last year. Um, I did remember getting annoyed because I got the trailer every time I went to the movies for like two months. <laughs> and that was a little irritating so that's fair uh so that is that is the the backstory to this uh you know the, the games are, are pretty straightforward uh at least in setup you know it's this nathan drake's this explorer who goes treasure hunting there tends to be a villain with an army of guys to send after him so you have a lot of people to shoot but uh it kind of falls for this woman named elena who's a reporter looking for a story and he's got his old mentor victor sullivan also along for the ride and uh, that's kind of the, the main setup of the first game, and then it kind of progresses and does other things from from there. You're looking confused. I mean, cor- did something, did something yeah. I just
1: say sh- strike a chord, David? So I guess the biggest thing is, uh, who's Nathan Drake? No. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the general gist I picked up from Uncharted, and correct me if I'm hmm. wrong, is puzzle shooter. You do some puzzles, you get to a new area, you do some shooting, and then repeat does that sound about right i'd say that's missing out the spectacle
0: parts of it but i mean that's you know that's definitely two of the main elements okay right, fair enough And uh, interestingly the spectacle part is obviously something the movie tries to to do the, the, the movie tries to incorporate that
1: oh boy uh, the army of visual effects artists on this movie <laughs> definitely tried to do that
0: yeah i mean the, the, the plane sequence in particular definitely has a couple of little bits from the third game. But for the most part, almost nothing that's in this movie is from the games because they go this sort of prequel route. It's actually set before where the game starts mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a younger Sullivan. It's when Nathan and Sully first meet. That's the story of this movie and their first uh, job together.
1: So they already know each other by Uncharted 1.
0: Yes. So okay. they're, they're going with a slightly different route here. Cause I guess because they wanted to cast a young person as, as Nathan Drake in case it became a huge hit and they could have him for, you know, he can be Peter Parker and Nathan Drake for 20 years and that's, what, that's his acting career.
1: I mean, it worked for Harrison Ford for a while there, so.
0: I always got the feeling that Harrison Ford didn't want that. He just kind of ended up with that.
1: Well, whether or not he wanted it is completely separate from whether or not he got it. <laughs> True.
0: I feel like Harrison Ford was pretty prolific anyway, even though he was known for two oh, big yeah, franchises no. as well.
1: Yeah, once once he managed to... Because, I mean, the Star Wars basically wrapped up early 80s, more or less. So once yeah. he got out of that, he went on to do a lot of other stuff.
0: Yeah, what's Tom Holland been in other than Spider-Man? And-
1: okay, but to be fair, Tom Holland has not wrapped up his franchise yet. He's still going with it.
0: Yeah, but franchises last a lot longer these days than they used to, so he's not going to be done for a while. All
1: right, well, if you really want to go for it, um, he was the voice of Spider-Man in Fortnite. Wait, hold on, that's the same thing. <laughs> he was in that war movie, I forget which one, but he was in a war movie. <laughs> he was in a war, that's very
0: vague, but...
1: Infinity War, that was it with <laughs> shit.
0: <sighs> Trying very hard here, I, just, I don't think you're going to nail this. Nah. Yeah, um, I think that's, that's one of the first things that I would say is that I also, well, I dislike Mark Wahlberg. I do think Tom Holland feels miscast as well, and I was, I was feeling yeah. that through. And I know they're going for a younger Nathan Drake, and it's like before he really becomes like the Nathan Drake of the games. But there's just, I felt like he was just playing the same character as he does in Spider-Man. I was just hearing his Peter Parker voice like over and over.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is that. Writing wise, not even knowing the games, but writing wise, I got this feeling that Nathan is supposed to be very suave, if not a little bit dorky, but very much, you know, he's able to be extroverted, more or less.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That's not what Tom Holland is. Tom Holland just is visually an introvert. And he didn't quite get across that extra because the whole thing in the movie is he's a bartender and he starts like sharing all these weird history facts at the beginning of this movie and i never quite got past the fact of like no you're not cool you're a history nerd
0: <laughs> i mean the character is a history nerd in the game like, that's definitely part of who he is but yeah there's just like you know he there's a there's a line a couple times from him in mean, this movie where he like i think there's one early on because the movie starts with sort of like a glimpse of the big set piece from later and you get like a little bit mm-hmm. of it and then you come back to it later in the movie when it actually gets there but there's a moment where he kicks someone, and he kind of like it. It ends badly for the person he kicked, and he goes, "Oh, sorry about that. I didn't really mean." And he sort of like and it. It sounded like Spider-Man. It, it was. It felt like oh, one yeah. of his Spider-Man lines where he's trying to apologize to the villain for kicking them too hard or whatever. And mm-hmm. I just like don't get me wrong. Nathan Drake is a bit goofy at times. He's definitely a character who thinks he's suave and tough, but he definitely he's definitely more of like a like for a long time people wanted nathan fillion to play him right because he kind of looked and sounded right. like nathan fillion and it's not it's nolan north voiced him who's got a cameo in the movie i, I actually have a question yeah so there's a, we won't spoil what it is yet we'll, we'll talk about it in spoilers i just want to know with mm. assuming you didn't know what nolan north looked like before this movie that is correct uh, did they make it so blatantly obvious in wink wink that you got it just from the fact that they were like, Hey, isn't this guy important? This cameo? Isn't he important?
1: I have never seen a harder wink wink <laughs> than this movie. This like, I, I don't again, I don't want to spoil it too much, but the fact that at no point in this movie, barring I think the girl at the very beginning that Nathan Drake talks to. At no point is there any extras getting any lines at all. It's always the main characters talking. Mm -hmm. And then this guy just shows up for 30 seconds, has a full-blown conversation where the main characters pause everything to talk to him. The whole movie pauses just so we can have our cameo. And then as they're walking away, rather than focusing on our main characters walking away, we focus on Nolan North looking over his shoulder like, Oh, hey. (laughs) And I'm like, well... I'm sure he's important <sighs> to something.
0: Yeah, more on that later. But, you know, so people want Nathan Fillion to play him for a long time. And I think that gives you an indication of the type. Like, sort of handsome, manly, but with a kind of goofier side where... Kind of like an Indiana Jones where he can kind of mess up and be like, oh, shit, and it'll, it'll be a little funny because he's messing up. Right. Uh, whereas hmm. Tom Holland, you know, I have nothing against him, but he's definitely not got quite as much charisma as that. he He's a bit more... There's a reason why he's good at at playing the high school nerd, because he kind of comes across with that demeanour, and it just, he never, he always, because even when they put him specifically in the costume towards the end, Mm he's actually wearing an outfit from the games, it kind of feels like, oh, this is a young guy doing cosplay. It never really feels like Nathan Drake.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really does strike me as, like, you know, Nathan Drake, especially, just from the few visuals I've seen of him, comes across as, like, mid-twenties probably does that seem fair? Uh, probably
0: in the first first game but i mean the, the game is sort of spanned over like by the time you get to uncharted right. 4 he's in his 40s he's got kids you know like so
1: right but yeah i'm just talk- if we're starting early then in the first game so yes if this is a prequel it makes sense for him to be younger but i'm assuming that this at least is some part of one of the games you're saying that the plane sequence the only things like
0: all than just like general kind of similarities to the type of situations they find themselves in the only things mm. that feel like they came from the games and both are uncharted 3 is a little bit of the plane sequence although it's not exactly but it definitely like hanging out the back of the plane definitely is in right. the third game um and the outfit he's wearing towards the end is definitely the, the third game outfit not that it changes that much but yeah. he's, he's wearing like light trousers instead of jeans which is the, the key difference but- the other, but the only other thing that comes from the games is a little bit of, like, there's a flashback to him and his brother when they're both at the orphanage. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as the game, but that was definitely something that was in the third game where it started to reveal some of, uh, like, his back... No, his brother wasn't in the third game, actually, you now that I'm thinking about. His brother wasn't introduced until mm-hmm. the fourth game, but there was scenes of young Nathan Drake at that age, you know, sneaking around. Uh, maybe a, maybe a okay. little older, maybe, like, after his brother had left him already, but...
1: So it's it's more or less, you know, not a one for one. It's not a the last of us where it's just, okay, we're taking the game and we're just putting it on screen pretty much with minor not changes. That. It is a it is a smattering of we've got the whole story laid out, we're just gonna mix and match and make something new but familiar.
0: Yeah, I mean is is Borderline a prequel and like I'm not saying it links up with the game, but it almost feels like they could just straight up do the story of the first game as the second movie. Like, you know, like this you can no. say this is a prequel to the game's it doesn't really feel like it is because it's different actors and it you know it it doesn't right. have quite the charm or the 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 heart that i think the games do
1: and that's that's something i wanted to get to is that i have never in recent memory been as bored <laughs> yeah i was with so many things I going on because this movie <sighs> this movie is nonstop. stop this movie has action all the time and even in the moments where they're talking they're talking in a way where it's like oh well i don't trust you and you don't trust me and we have to figure out if we're even on the same side together so even the slow moments have this suspense to them but i was still so bored with all of it yeah i think because
0: like the the plot in uncharted isn't that great really the, the first game in particular it's just you know you're on an island you're hunting for this treasure there's a bad guy Sully might have betrayed you, but, you know, I don't think he's really spoiling too much to say that, given that there's sequels and he's in the sequels, like, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like, you meet Elena, they have great chemistry, Nathan and Elena, but it's really just likable characters, and then the second game kind of gets, you know, a little bit better, and it's like, oh, all of a sudden the set pieces are much bigger and more impressive, and the characters, their chemistry's so good that I'm kind of into them as a as a story a little bit. And then I would say it's really the Mm -hmm. third game and the fourth games that really kind of catapulted to the point where, you know, the fact that they did Last of Us after Uncharted 3, and that's, like, heralded as, like, the, the, you know, the the Citizen Kane, almost, of video games and how it does storytelling. And then they came back and did Uncharted 4 after. Uncharted 4 feels, like, so intricate and, like, smartly written. And, like, the focus on the storytelling. Uncharted 4 is about Nathan and Elena and like their marriage is kind of rocky right now because he's getting lured back into the treasure hunting world and all these things. And there's, there's a moment in that game where you're just driving around in a Jeep and you're basically just... You've just had a fight. So you're driving around in the mm-hmm. Jeep and it's just music playing while you're sitting in silence and the awkward silence of the post-fight. And you feel it. You feel it in your gut. And it's so well done. And it's... It's just... Like, the storytelling from Naughty Dog is really good, right? And... I don't know what you do to make it work in a movie when fundamentally part of what made it work so well to begin with before the storytelling even got that good was just the chemistry of the the voice actors and how fun it was to be with these characters in this world um and i think part of this sort of globe-trotting indiana jones style movie that it kind of suffers in movies for me tends to be just how convoluted things can get as they're explaining them the the great thing about the first uncharted game it keeps it kind of simple because you never just kind of dart to somewhere else once you get to the main island which is right after the the intro you're just there mm-hmm. and you're just following things around this island you're just your your maps leading you to further into the island into the cave systems or it's leading you wherever and there's a bad guy on the island trying to get to the treasure as well and they're chasing you and, and whatever but here we're yeah. doing all this stuff with you know these rich villains where we're going from this country to that country. There's, you know, we have to do all this exposition to like set up why we're going there and why we're going back here. Um, I, I find it very unfulfilling in movies typically when we're going that in depth with it. So Mm -hmm.
1: uh,
0: part of that's a taste thing perhaps, but I just, but it works so well for me in the game, which is why it sticks out to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, if it's a taste thing then I share in the same taste, because it is, it is an issue where this, movie feels so much like it's just playing the beats out that we all expect it Mm. to and even when it pulls a twist it's like yeah i can see why that would be a thing like it's not something that's catching me off guard it's like yeah all right that's that was pretty well forecasted all things considered and then it just keeps going with the beats again
0: yeah because i think that's the thing is enchanted the game doesn't necessarily break any new ground for the type of story the appeal of it was hey, this is an Indiana Jones-style adventure, but it's a good video game of that idea. And it's a good video game, and the characters have this great chemistry, and that's kind of what wins you over, and then it gets better as it goes. As a movie, well, we already have the Indiana Jones of movies. It's called Indiana Jones. (laughs) Right? We already have that. So at that point, it's like, well, what do we have... Beyond that, what's going to make the movie stick out and be special in this medium? You know, part of what makes Uncharted special is because it's the video game pinnacle of that genre. Uh, well, right. Some would debate Tomb Raider, obviously, but <laughs> but you know, that's that's a that's another debate for another time.
1: I mean, which one makes the better movie? That's the real question.
0: We'll answer that when we come back and do the Tomb Raider movies at some point.
1: Oh All no. All three of them. <laughs> Oh God! Well, this is the thing. Anyway, they're
0: very compar- comparable because they're doing Indiana Jones style stuff. But if you go back to the early Tomb Raiders yeah. before they started copying Uncharted for gameplay, the early Tomb Raiders were far more about the puzzles. It was far more about how do I get to the right. place in this cave system or this tomb to activate something to open a door or whatever. Whereas in Uncharted, mm-hmm. there's puzzly parts where you have to like, figure out a simple puzzle, but it doesn't tend to be that much in the way of like. You know, there's a bit more hand than the old Tomb Raider was. Like, Uncharted is more of a cinematic okay. experience than it is, oh, you have to really test your brain to figure these things out.
1: That's fair, because that was the one thing that was bothering me in this movie, because I did assume that the puzzles were slightly bigger part of the game. And yet in this movie, Nathan Drake is just Mr. Encyclopedia Britannica. He's presented with a puzzle and he's like, hmm, well, what if we do this? Yep, there's the answer took me 10 seconds and it's like no this is supposed to this is something that hasn't been solved in 500 years and you're telling me all it took was fancy mr bartender yeah, here to solve yeah it's it? kind
0: of like that in the game but i think it works in the game because it'll be like you have the, the notebook with the clues in it and nathan and mm-hmm. sully will talk about what, what the puzzle is and you'll say oh is this something to do with this and this and then it sort of leaves it to the player to just connect that last dot right you know
1: and that's what i think is missing here is that if the If the fun of this game was in the play style, in how you, you know, are able to be the character rather than just watching the story play out, I think that's where the movie's not going to work because you are forced to just watch the movie play out. Exactly, yeah. You can't interact with it. You can't be a part of it. It's just there in front of you. So I think that's probably where it fell down the most. And again, full speculation on my side, having not seen any of the games, but...
0: Yeah, and and so much of the movie is people, you know, like going back to a room to talk about what the next part of the plan is and like so much of mm-hmm. uncharted is like once you're on the adventure, you're mostly kind of on the adventure now. There's no retreating to like <laughs> to yeah. the hotel room to talk about the next move.
1: I do want to point out that this movie has what I consider to be you know, the treasure hunting movie like Cardinal Sin mm-hmm. which is There are so many points along this quote-unquote journey where the thing is not only easily accessible, but just in, like, plain sight. And sure, they make the excuse of, like, oh, well, so-and-so never knew how to do it. Like, it's only because we have the journal that we know how to do it. But, like, you're telling me that there's a keyhole in a papa john's (laughs) and no one thought hey let's maybe jam something in there and see what happens well well honestly the bigger problem
0: for me is that so much of like what's happening you've got this chase to get to like the ultimately it's about finding treasure right it's about finding gold yeah and there's so much of this chase between multiple heroes who are constantly wary of betraying each other because they don't know if any, any of them are trustworthy. And then you've got the villains also chasing after the thing. And at several hmm. points, I kept thinking, but there's two keys and the entire time, the good guys always had one of the keys, right? One yeah. character always had one of the keys. So even though they were determined not to lose the second key, but they never had the other key anyway. So there's there lots of times where I'm like, how are they keeping up in this race when they're not figuring anything out? They're chasing after people, and yeah. there's just there's a lot of contrivance and just everyone being able to sort of always be like just behind each other in the race when it feels like really only one person or one group who's figured things out should even have an idea of where the next thing is or or ha- has the equipment available, has the the keys you know, literal or otherwise, mm. to get to the next thing.
1: Yeah, it it feels like Nathan Drake is the only one who's actually studied for the test, and everyone else is just kind of like, "Well, let me just take a peek over there," and somehow they're still able to get the full grade, right up until the very end.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's oddly it's just it's one of these things that kind of bugs me in these types of movies a lot. Is uh and it happens a little bit in india jones but it's got that thing where it's like the hero's just making it through all this stuff but somehow the villain keeps turning up right behind them even though it feels like it should be impossible
1: i mean the proper way to do that is have the hero of the story be beholden to the laws the rules Mm -hmm. whereas the villain is just going through and breaking them all but nathan and his merry band are already treasure hunters of moral questionable like grayness And so they're all breaking the laws and the rules. So there is no reason for the villains to be able to keep up as well, except that they have more money. Yeah,
0: they got a lot of tech. (laughs) Especially, it. (laughs) Which,
1: it was so strange, because there's one point in this movie that revolves around the fact that uh, Sully has Nate's GPS on his phone. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where I'm sure that technology exists, and I think we talked about this in, like, the Peppermint review or something. We're like, I know this technology exists, and yet for some reason it still feels like they were pushing it too far of its capabilities for the entire movie.
0: I think you're thinking uh Turtles Out of the Shadows, where it, Was that it? Where it revealed not only where they were, but what floor of the building they were on. Yes, that's right. Uh, I think the problem with this is just that they're in a location that feels like there's no way, like, anyone's, like, Hanging any service here oh no and this like Definitely
1: remote not. cave
0: system in the water out in an island that's you know yeah i don't know it just it feels like yeah really really it's like telling you that he's here because I, I i feel like there's a certain point where he would just go off the map because the
1: i mean not only that but no matter how they're moving and how they're doing anything crystal clear audio the whole time
0: oh yes of course of course uh but admittedly these aren't big deals Like if, if you were enjoying the story and no. you were enjoying what was going on you wouldn't care about any of this shit uh, it would just be like, yeah, just go have fun. But um, as it is, like, I just I never really like felt much for these characters, and uh, obviously there's no Elena in the movie because it's set before he's going to meet her.
1: I was I was gonna make a joke when you were going through the whole thing of like, oh, he he marries Elena and all that, and you're like, wow, Pete, that's some big spoilers on such an important character in the movie. <laughs>
0: Well, actually, he meets her in the story of the first game, though. So, like, the mm-hmm. the Chloe, on the other hand, who is in the movie, is someone that you don't actually meet in the game until the second game, but she's introduced as someone who he has a history with. So, it, you know, this does line up with, okay. with like, that. So this is someone from earlier on in these uh, treasure-hunting days. So, you know.
1: I mean, if this was slated to be a prequel, if they were like, look, we're laying down the foundation, and then we're just going to basically adapt the game straight up, I wouldn't be opposed to it but it definitely felt and mild spoilers not really but it definitely felt like this had amazing spider-man syndrome where they were banking on the fact that they were going to get sequels for a lot of stuff here
0: yeah and i don't i don't even know how sure unsure the sequel is like i feel like there was mumblings that it maybe just crossed the line
1: enough to get one but i mean i'm sure it's a very fuzzy line if Somebody steps up in the executive level and is like, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Do it yeah. again.
0: Also, and- I just saw sixty five in theaters last week, and then I saw this. That's two <laughs> movies in the, in as many weeks that started with the word Sony, which is not like I, movies produced by Sony are not typically good, right? There's a, there's there's a certain like sort of hollow feel to them. They all seem to have, and mm-hmm. this has that feel. It's the same thing yeah. I felt with Bloodshot. Same thing I felt with Life. It's the same thing I felt with sixty five you know i could probably keep Which, naming if I, if I look more up can,
1: can i just real quick bring up the fact that this opened with an entire studio logo for playstation specifically not just sony hey, but like playstation
0: i saw the real uh nathan drake in that montage i did too but what weirded <laughs> me out the most
1: is that i saw also saw joel and ellie from last yes. of us and yet they did not choose to renew this studio logo over at the HBO one. Well,
0: I think it's because TV shows don't tend to get them.
1: I mean, HBO definitely gets it, at
0: the very least. Well, yeah, they get their little quick one, but you don't get, like, three studio logos at the start of a TV show.
1: Fair enough, but they also do not have... Like, they were not produced by PlayStation Studios, period. So... they they not? I don't think so. I looked it up and couldn't find anything about it, so... I feel like they're involved in some way. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I feel like they're <laughs> Who
0: involved. Who knows? I... Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that it's the weird, the weird thing about watching this now and not when it came out is that this is right after the last of us TV show ended. And that was, Mm -hmm. you know, well, there's a couple of nitpicks to be had. It is the genuine, like, you know, the, the honest attempt at trying to adapt the material, respecting the story of the game, respecting what the game was and making it fit in the medium of television. Yeah. And it's very faithful. Uh, it changes things that make sense to be changed for the most part, uh, and mm. feels like it's it's trying to it's trying to make you feel the same thing that you felt when you played the game, but uh, achieving it through the strengths of TV instead of a video game. So seeing this after that just is like extra painful. It's just like oh god, like yeah. one of the things I was thinking early on, I was like, oh, they're going to use the music because Enchanted's got a really specific main theme that's really cool, and I you know mm. it's a really great piece of music, and they've used it in all the games. And it actually, there's a little bit of it starts to creep in, and it's right before the Nolan North cameo, so I was like, oh, that's oh. why they used it. And it does come in a little bit again later on when he fully completes his outfit, um, but then it just sort of goes away until a little bit of the end credits. And all, all I could think was is like, what? It's, it's almost like, yeah, you want to make the little nod, but you, you're you treating it as if it is an Easter egg, where like, oh, people who have played the games will, will, you know, they'll pop mm. for hearing it, but any, any new people won't care. And The problem is, though, is that giving me that little slither of it just emphasise just how dull and generic the rest of
1: the music was because I'm like, the rest of it is just so forgettable. Just use the theme, damn it. I mean, I think that may come down to kind of just an ego thing because Mm -hmm. no major surprises here. This movie was executive produced by Avi Arad, who, you know, he's had his fingers in a couple of pies that have not been great historically but the uh i think it might come down to a thing of like yeah no the original games were great and all but then these movie execs step in and they're like but what if we did our own thing and i think it also carried over to the musical score where they're like yeah no sure we got that but then we hired this composer and he has the most generic thing you've ever heard
0: yeah i i see it time and time again with music specifically like obviously there's other adaptations where you know res the evil has great music they didn't use any of it in the movies now admittedly those movies suck as well so i'm almost glad in a way but even in movies themselves like, like movie to sequel there's so many times where either the director or the new composer are just like no i'm not using any of their thing even though it's the most iconic and like beloved piece of music ever i'm going to do yeah. my own thing uh, the, the, the franchise i always bring up is like the Terminator movies after T two, like, were like so weirdly like resistant to using the Terminator theme until yeah. like Dark Fate. It was really weird. Like you, know, you only got it in the end credits to some of the movies. It, they never used it during the film. And I'm like, this this franchise has a main theme. Yeah, <laughs> it has. It is an now, iconic main theme. Why you like, like, why is Marco Beltrami like insisting that he's doing his thing in Terminator Three? He's like, he's too, he's too good to use the established theme.
1: Now, see, I understand it in some aspects because you look at things like Batman historically over the ages is that, you know, you got the Danny Elfman theme. It carried over to the animated series more or less. But then once we got to Nolan's films, it was a completely different theme. And I understand different. Well, yeah, but that's that's but that's a restart, though. That's a complete. Yeah, it's different. It's different iterations. I can understand that this one is supposed to be a straight adaptation I think it, you're right in that it should have the same theme, more or less. I mean, clearly they still went with the sort of high seas adventure sort of soundtrack. Mm. I think, but and I'm assuming that's what Uncharted's main soundtrack. I mean, I'm not even
0: necessarily saying it. that they should have used it, but it's like a it's like an easy win to me. I don't see why you wouldn't because it is so yeah. good, and the fact that they sprinkled in a little bit of it for two key moments. Just mm. made me go like it. Just sort of really emphasised what what the rest of it was lacking. It was like that sounded like real, just hearing that little that little jingle of the of the theme.
1: It just it's when you have you have a song that you really like, like the guitar yeah. solo on, and then the rest of it's just trash. And you're like, ah, well, why am I even listening? That said, though, the downside
0: to it was in this movie is that it was the only time in the whole movie I felt something
1: it was when I heard the music from the game Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. I mean. <laughs> I don't want to get too much into plot, but honestly, I feel like the first act was just, they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to have a first act. They did the bare minimum they felt they needed to, and then they're like, can we just please think, start the heist already, for God's sakes. I think there's uh, cutting room
0: for stuff here, because the trailers, and I saw the trailer a lot, the trailer's had there. stuff at the bar where he's clearly talking to Mark Wahlberg before Mark Wahlberg. Because, like, you know, there's a scene early on where Mark Wahlberg is just kind of there at the end of the bar scene, and that's when he introduces ah. himself and kind of, like, you know, lays out a little bit of who he is. Um mm. I think, clearly, from the trailer, there was stuff with him talking to him at the bar while it was still busy, like, you know, when he first came in and started...
1: Which it felt yeah. like there should have been.
0: Yeah. So I, I really felt like, oh, there's definitely, like, an earlier conversation. Like, Tom and clearly had already speak, spoken to him earlier in the night, but it's just not in the movie anymore. Uh, So there's a lot, you know, which, things like that.
1: On one hand, I am appreciative over the fact that this is a modern movie that managed to come in under two hours. That's I, true. I, I, <laughs> I genuinely appreciate that but if there's something <laughs> that's going to help the story, keep it in. Yeah, yeah, like, that's tell, a balance. Make, make your movie as long as it needs to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, one of the things we are not mentioned yet that we should do, because we always talk about it, because it's the, the most prominent reason for a movie being good or bad, typically, on any mm-hmm. given example, is the director. So the director is Ruben yes. uh, Fleischer, who, I'm like, yeah. I recognize that name. What has he done? So he has done... Uh Zombieland, which is probably the most beloved thing he's done, but he also did yep. Venom, which admittedly, some people ironically love it, <laughs> but it's not it's not good. He also did uh oh I mean he may have just produced Gangster Squad. Uh he may not have directed that, but um yeah, he's got he's got like such a weird like apparently he might be making a Jack and Daxter movie, which was a Naughty Dog franchise.
1: I was gonna say PS2. that's gonna be part of the PlayStation. <laughs>
0: cinematic Whatever. universe universe yeah <laughs> uh, he's apparently working on now you see me 3
1: oh god i
0: never i never i thought i never saw the second one but the first one was just really a uh, movie to me
1: i i've i've almost seen both but i i genuinely I, thought now you see me 3 was like a meme like there's no way they'd ever make that but
0: how do you make a movie called now you see me and you don't name the second one now you don't
1: because they knew they were going for a trilogy apparently
0: <laughs> apparently yeah uh so yeah his, his career is he's, he's done a lot of tv episodes sort of sprinkled in he did direct gangster squad uh i'll just mm-hmm. sort of correct that um but you know he has kind of like a weird you know it's like oh
1: sorry i just oh. my uh my girlfriend watches the good doctor oh. and literally the episode she just finished watching was one directed by him and it was fine oh very good yeah. <laughs> it was a backdoor pilot but it was fine
0: yeah uh, so, I I love how... Th- this, is, this is just an IMDB thing, but they've also... They've got Gangster quad list, Squad listed, but they've also got Gangster Squad deleted scenes listed as a separate oh, credit. Yeah. Totally separate thing. I mean, that's just kind of the, you know, that's the same project. It's just <laughs> cutting room floor material, but... You know. If
1: it's released separately, it counts.
0: Yeah. Uh, needless to say, I don't really think he's a good director. I think... He's not, like, the worst ever, but he's definitely kind of the... The Sony Pictures, like every man director who comes in and just sort of like gets his movie in and budget and, you know, nothing about it sticks out. There's no particular sense of style. It's a very. Yeah.
1: I mean, the the biggest one I can really picture here is Zombieland in terms of actual direction, because, you know, it had all the cool titles the and stuff and like stuff. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, that one had the most direction, but I feel like majority of it fell on the writing rather than the directing.
0: Yeah, it comes back to what I was saying earlier, but this just feels so generic. It just—it's—it's yeah.
1: it's the. It hit the formula.
0: It's it a formula. It really does feel like a formula, and it—it—it it, it fails to have anything about it that makes it stand out. That where you go, oh, I'd rather watch that instead of. But uh, well, mm. and this is the weird thing with movies, like they're yeah, your one good example kind of is Indiana Jones. Oh, there's a little bit of Goonies in this, which, you know, we'll save for spoilers. Why?
1: There was a major Goonies moment in this. <laughs>
0: I'm trying to downplay it for spoilers sake. No doubt.
1: <laughs> no, screw it. Like, they know what's coming. This movie's by the formula. You know what's happening. Um, Yeah. I, I... The only other one that it hit me for was just kind of a cult favorite for myself, mm-hmm. at least, is National Treasure. Oh, yeah. I, I think I saw the first one back in the day. Yeah i mean i just I, I wouldn't say i grew up with it but i enjoyed it when it came out and i've always looked forward to a third one But <laughs> it never quite happened
0: yeah i wouldn't expect it i, I feel like a lot of treasure hunting movies kind of fall into the same hollow formula you know I, like for whatever reason like no one's tried to do or treat them like something bigger
1: Well, I think the biggest issue is is that back with Indiana Jones, yes, you had big action set pieces and whatnot, but the main focus, the main thing that people came for was Indy. Yeah. It was him as a character, and as we've moved further and further into, hey, we can do anything we want with visual effects, I think that they lost that in terms of, you know what people want treasure hunting stories for? The part where they blow up an island, the part where they jump out of a spaceship, like those moments, and that's not...
0: As far as you know, the uh, some of the set pieces and visual effects go, I'll, just, I'll quote Jurassic Park. They were too preoccupied with whether or not they could. They never stopped to ask if they should. Um, that said, though, with Uncharted, the set pieces are absolutely part... Because one of the big things that 2 really introduced in the games was the idea of set pieces that aren't cut scenes. So there's a great mm-hmm. moment about, I don't know, two hours into Uncharted 2 where... You're in a building, right, because that was the thing, the first game's all an island, so it's all city stuff, maybe a bit of a castle, but it's mostly in the jungle, it's mostly very specific types of, like, settings. Second game, right. after a little intro, you're in a city, so it's like, oh, we're climbing up the side of buildings now instead, we're, we're doing this, it's a very different environment, so it's really exciting. There's a sequence where you're in a building fighting some guys, and like a helicopter or something, hits the building. So the building starts to collapse while you're fighting. So you start to actually fight at an angle, and then eventually you jump through a window. And it's just a quick little, you know, 30-second or so bit. But it felt really huge because, like, holy shit, in any other game that had been a cutscene, I just played through yeah. it. And that was kind of a big, a big part of it. So they kind of kept trying to up themselves when it came to that. They had bigger, you know, that's why there was a big plane sequence in this yeah, third game and so games. on. Uh, so that is definitely part of Uncharted. Uh, But again, Hmm. it was the interactivity. And I'm okay with it uh, being a part of the movie's DNA because it is a part of what the franchise is. But the two key things that make Uncharted, I would say more than anything, is the characters and the heart that you get with those characters and then Hmm. the the set pieces are the other big thing. Uh, And obviously, the treasure hunting is there, which is obviously a big part of it, but it's never... Like, I would go as far as to say it's never been, like, the interesting part of it. It's just, it's kind of the it's the framework for which we're operating in, but it's never been the part of it right. that's appealed to me that much. It's just kind of it, what it is. In
1: any treasure hunting movie, the treasure is always the MacGuffin. Yes. It's the reason everything else happens, but it doesn't actually matter on its own. Absolutely. Yeah. So,
0: it's, like, I, I think it was fine to try and do the set pieces. I do think they go too far with them. Even the plane sequence, Mm -hmm. I think there's just an extra element to it by the end of it where I'm like, this just feels like physics are just at home. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. They forgot to bring their physics in for their test. (laughs) Uh,
1: My favourite part, and I'm very mild spoilers here, but it's in the first five minutes, so it's no big deal. Uh, My favourite part was we're watching the opening scene and at one point there's a car in this plane after Nate goes through all this insane stunt work and stuff like that he ends up getting hit by this car as it's coming out of the plane. And my girlfriend makes the comment of, oh, yeah, like, he'd be all right after being hit by that car. I'm like, that's the issue? <laughs> that's the time that it's going to be like, oh, like, that's realistic.
0: <laughs> to be fair, the car was just sort of sliding because the plane was tipped. It's not like it was driving fast.
1: <laughs> well, we find out later it was pedals of the metal in order to get oh, out Oh, was of it?
0: There. Okay. Well... So- Still, it's not, even my, it's not even top five as far as my problems with the physics. No, of, of nowhere near. But once we see the whole extent of the scene, when you get the full thing later, there's definitely more problems. Yeah. Uh, and then the big set piece at the end, Like, I really questioned the weight of something. I, I don't want to even spoil anything. That's fine. I'll just say, I went, really? Could that lift that? I'm not sure I believe it, but...
1: I I believed it, but I also questioned, is this really the most efficient way to do this?
0: <laughs> also fair. And obviously, within five minutes, I realized, oh, they're doing it this way because they wanted this. That, oh, that's, yeah. you know, it wasn't just because you know, it was just the, the first thing they thought of. It was you
1: everything know. in this movie is for the purpose of building up the next set piece.
0: Yes, yes. um And I, I'm not even against that. I, I just, I just wish I cared about the characters, and I wish they were more yeah. likable. I think part of the problem with the the way they focus on the characters here, where it's like Nathan's never true if he can start silly. Sully's very untrustworthy. Chloe's never sure if she can trust either of them or if either of them can tuss- trust Chloe. And I'm mm-hmm. like, can we please just, like, have him, like. Like, I think you can still do that without it co- being a constant, like, like, noose around every scene that they're talking to each other. You know? Yeah. Something where it's, like, in the back of your head, oh, he might betray him, but we hope it, but it doesn't because they've got great chemistry and we want to see them work together. I didn't feel that in this movie because I didn't think they had chemistry. But in theory, I would. So but I would.
1: Yeah. but that's literally the issue is that besides nathan nobody has any characterization outside of can they be trusted that's all there is to that's, any of the characters
0: that's a very valid point yeah they don't have any other personality traits it's just can they be trusted or not is pretty much it
1: mm-hmm. and the only person i mean obviously he's the audience avatar but we the only person we know we can trust is nathan drake that's it and of course he's just a bubbly little ball of oh i i believe in the best of everybody and i'm gonna trust even when i shouldn't which it
0: feels kind of weird given that the movie starts with him being like a pickpocket and it's like yeah it's like he's not that morally sound even though it feels like he is just because everyone else is like he's always meant to be the thief with the heart of gold right he's meant to be like a morally good guy but he you know he he does you know some bad things but you know it does feel like he, he targets people specifically who aren't going to care. You know, he, he targets a woman who is like from a rich family who's spent, spending right. daddy's money on the credit card. She's never going to miss this bracelet that's been stolen from her. Mm. You know. Which is yeah, we're yeah. fine, alright. If you are got to steal from someone, yeah, steal from someone who won't even it won't even be a blip to them.
1: It's it's Robin Hood just without that second part of getting yes. to
0: the poor. <laughs> hey, hey, rent in New York's expensive. He's got to Oof.
1: Make ends. that is that is I mean, we're circling 100% of the way back here, but that is one thing that kind of threw me for a loop. Is when I realized this was set in New York, and they showed some pretty famous New York skyline objects mm. behind him. I'm like, this is just Spider-Man. Like, i I've all I'm seeing is Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, just instead of instead of getting bit by the spider, he gets bit by uh, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> to, yeah, to go go treasure hunt. <laughs>
1: This was this was an alternate universe where instead of him being an only child, he had a brother. Do you know, and... the, there's a line from where I thought, like, I almost they'd rephrase it to be like a weird
0: indie reference, right? Not that I would, mm-hmm. I want references, and I, but it made me think of it. But they just they should have just went further with it because it has been really absurd to do it with this. But there's a line later on when their 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 path takes them. They're their hunting for the treasure, the clues for the puzzles and stuff. Take them into a church, and he sees a nun. And he says something to the effect of, why is it always nuns? And I'm like, no, it's just say it like Indy says up the snakes.
1: He did, though. Di- he straight up said nuns. Why is it always nuns? He said it exactly like that.
0: Yeah, but Indy says, why does it always have to be snakes? All right. He doesn't say it exactly the exact same way. Because I had the thought, as soon as he said that he just said that exactly like Indy says the thing about snakes.
1: because you kind know of, that it's supposed to be that.
0: I guess it is. Because the idea... That he has Indies thing, but for nuns is is kind of funny. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll get it's a funny detail because he grew up in an orphanage with nuns. Yeah, so he hates nuns.
1: <laughs> Thank you for spelling that out. I was a bit confused. Oh, that wasn't for you; it was for the audience. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're still in the spoiler-free here, technically, right? They don't—they've not necessarily watched the movie. I, I, I—that had to be a direct thing, though. Like it was exactly how it was phrased, maybe like one word difference. Okay. But even then, maybe,
0: maybe maybe it was Tom Holland's performance that didn't click with me. Then he just he didn't say it the right way. He didn't say it. I the mean, way he, he definitely have. said it like four octaves higher than Indy said it. <laughs> yeah, but that's because he's always four octaves higher
1: than Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, I don't really have much more to say. Um, the only other thing is we kind of talked about the special effects in terms of the uh scenes and yeah. the set pieces i can't say there was any real special effects like monstrosities like moments that no, i was like Oof, a, that doesn't
0: work there's one or two you know green screen moments that are a little effy that uh, just, just yeah. you know like i would say generally the effects are fine uh there's one moment where tom holland's walking out of water in one scene where it looked kind of unfinished or like he wasn't blending with the background properly uh mm-hmm. fairly near the end but like other than that like but you know it was it was minor relatively minor things because like all the big things with like things flying through the air and uh oh actually no, there is one thing actually when he's dangling off the plane and there's times where he's like falling from one like bit of the cargo to the next there are yeah. times where it's very clearly like a cg character oh, who's yeah. falling right absolutely so uh, there's a little bit of that matrix reloaded like oh that was a video game character <laughs> but Ironically, it looked better in the video game.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's because it doesn't stand out, then. It stands out more in the movie.
0: Yeah, because it's not jarring. Yeah, Uh, It's funny how you play the video game in 2011 and you're like, oh, wow, look how realistic this looks. Then you watch the movie and it goes to a CG and you're like, oh, man, that looks so shit.
1: (laughs) Why'd that look so shit compared to everyone
0: else?
1: I mean, that's the sort of thing where, you know, people go back and they're like, oh, man, Final Fantasy Seven is the peak of graphics. I'm talking, like, the original <laughs> one. And it's it's just with time. It's just how it hits you at the right age. Yeah. That's all it is. Well,
0: people talk about the story in that as if it's this great thing. And I'm sure it's fine for its time and what it's doing, but I'm like, hmm. people are like, oh, I cried during Final Fantasy Seven, And I'm like, I didn't even have a blip in my emotion until The Last of Us. How were you tearing up at Final Fantasy VII? It, it It's...
1: Some of us aren't dead inside, Pete. <laughs>
0: God. like, oh, um, yeah. And also one of the bad guys' henchmen is simply accredited as the Scotsman. Uh, I, I did understand what he said for the record, just in case you were curious. Hey. Uh,
1: I mean, technically so did I, but I feel like I have a little bit more exposure than the average American.
0: Sure, sure. But he's he's actually an English actor doing an accent. He, he did all right, to be fair. It's a bit of a caricature... Esque portrayal, but uh, oh, absolutely. Um, but yes, he said, if I recall, I may be paraphrasing slightly, but he said, uh, you know, you're out here to play with the big boys, I'm going to give you a proper Scottish welcome, was what he said.
1: And I would have responded the same way as Tom Holland, as what <laughs> you're out here to play with the big boys, I'm going to give you a proper Scottish welcome, lads. Okay, so see, I got it from you, maybe it's just him. <laughs>
0: Well, I think for the sake of the joke, he was trying to say it as quickly as he possibly could. Oh, yeah. You know?
1: Absolutely. There's there's the parts where he goes full on, instead of two, he says tay. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's... It's like, oh, we're going tay the, And I'm like, wow. Yep, you're Scottish. Congrats. You did
0: it. I mean, I'll, I'll sort of slip into that a little bit when I'm talking to other Scottish people, because that is that is very much something Scottish people say, is they'll say tay mm-hmm. instead of two. Uh, not when they say the number two, just to a place. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah uh and fae instead of from that's crazy (laughs) you're fae america
1: that just sounds like you're talking like i'm from some fairy world (laughs) i have no idea what you're saying your ma i'm assuming that still means my mom yeah (laughs) yeah that's a little bit of crossover with american south yes your mother yes yes wait that's a south thing Yeah, you know, gotta get there back to ma.
0: Oh, I see what you mean. I I thought you meant the phrase your mother was from this. I thought that was just a general American thing. No,
1: that's a worldwide thing. Everyone says your mother. (laughs) That's not a worldwide thing. I guarantee you, every culture has a thing of (laughs) insulting your mother.
0: This is where I I splice in uh, a montage of like a hundred languages of everyone saying your mother.
1: Yep. Der Mutter. I'm I'm out. That's all I got.
0: (laughs) That was actually the mother. I think I think your mother would be like, "Du mutter But I barely remember. mama. I, I, I barely remember any German, okay. so don't even ask me. It's futile. Anyway, spoilers, everyone, for
1: Uncharted. They find the treasure.
0: Yes, and lose almost all of it except one little bit, which is actually also like Goonies.
1: <laughs> apparently, I mean, from what I was reading, apparently that's what happens in all the games as well. That's that,
0: that, that's true. That's true. They never just get a big load. They get just enough to like, so they're, they're financially all right till the next adventure. Like that's yeah. just enough for that and no more. Uh, which, given that the full amount in this movie is quoted multiple times as about five billion dollars
1: worth, yeah, you don't need that much. Which <laughs> was weird to me. <laughs> can I just say, in that, I mean, if we're in full spoilers now. It's two. 500-year-old pirate ships, both filled with gold, both more or less in fantastic condition. Well,
0: when they first find them, they're in fantastic condition, not so much at yes. the end.
1: <laughs> yes, but the fact that it would only come down to less than $10 billion, where there are people in the world who own more than that amount of money already, that just seemed weird to me. I wonder if this is because
0: like all these ideas for movies like this come from an earlier era where money was less inflated so this sounded like the right yeah. amount but actually it's like you know if even if you earn a million a year so you're technically a millionaire like that's actually only just all right in california now
1: yeah <laughs> that's not like being it's, rich it's, anymore it's the dr evil problem where yeah he's like what do you what do you mean one million dollars isn't a lot anymore <laughs> yeah, i mean don't
0: always it will be a lot to me but like oh yeah no uh, patreon <laughs> yes, patrons. <laughs> uh, I, I should. I should add like a joke tier. That's like the millionaires tier. Like, yeah, you got a million to throw. Up. Because hey, one person gives me that for one month, and it's like, well, all other patrons are eating for free for the next like ten years. <laughs> the
1: patro- the pa- the millionaire tier is you now work full time on videos, and for the first five minutes of every video released after that, it's just repeating that guy's name. <laughs> but anyway
0: so the movie opens with a part of the plane sequence although it notably Mm -hmm. only gives you like from Nathan's perspective so you never see any other characters it's just him sort of dangling from the cargo that's like sort of out the back of the plane and then eventually getting hit by the car and he's just kind of falling to his death at the end and that's kind of when it cuts to you know
1: I mean it's the eye catch it's i get it i see why they did it i don't think it was once you get the full story of the movie i don't think it was really necessary to have it here but
0: it feels weird because they had to like cut around so many things that were actually happening when you get to the full version later there's so many Mm -hmm. things around it and it's like so split up versus what it was at the start that it really does feel like someone just thought oh we have to start with like an action sequence just to excite everyone (laughs) because you know we don't we don't get to it quick enough
1: I was gonna say if I don't think these people, I, maybe they're thinking once they get to home media release. But people who are in the theaters, they know there is going to be action at some point. That's, like you don't have to trick them. That's true. They're, they're just sitting there. They're 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 committed to the movie, and
0: unless you're so bad, like they they want to yeah. walk out. Like they're committed to stick around
1: and see where it goes. But even then, the very next scene in the movie is a flashback to his childhood and it's them doing, like, a break-in at a museum, which seems like it should be enough to catch the eye anyway.
0: Yeah, because it's giving you a hint that they're going to go hunting for things like this. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it makes some sense. Yeah, the, the, yeah. you get this flashback where his brother's going to be arrested because this is the third time he's done something illegal and he decides to run away instead and it kind of feels like he's... Maybe kept in touch with the odd phone call or postcards to, to Nathan, but he's kind of been gone mm. for his life ever since. And um
1: they specifically have him, and I'm assuming this is something from the game, mm. leave a ring that he has on a necklace that apparently was descended from their ancestor, famed pirate, Sir Francis Drake.
0: I mean, I think the movie does make it clear in that scene when they talk about that, that they're not really descendant from Francis Drake. Yeah. It's something their parents just sort of jokingly said to them because their name happens to be Drake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that is that is the case in the game. Yeah, no, he has the ring in the game. The, the ring's like a key thing in the first game that he has. Okay. Uh, and I th- Does he still have it around his neck and the rest of them? He might do. I feel like he still got it if he didn't lose it. But, um, yeah, yeah, the ring's The rings a thing from the game, to be fair. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it transitions from that to... Uh, fifteen years later. Yeah, and what was so weird about it is they said he was ten in this flashback at one point, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know, he, he felt a little bit older than that to me.
1: Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the actor was older than that, but based off how young Tom Holland just looks as that's, a person, that's true. Yeah, it it definitely felt like instead of a fifteen year gap, there was maybe like a seven, like maybe eight. I think
0: that that's actually the weird problem with it is that. Tom Holland looks young enough that it feels weird having a different actor play him as a kid.
1: <laughs> yeah, they even did the thing where it was like a slow fade between the young to the old actor, and I'm like, that's very ballsy that you think they look that similar. There's even a joke you're gonna get away with the slow fade. There's a joke
0: in the mid-credits scene that Tom Holland can't grow a like facial hair yet, and I like, you know what? Yeah. To be honest, I kind of believe that he can't grow facial hair yet. <laughs>
1: I think he could get like a pencil-thin mustache, yeah, but not like a bushy thing. Bit of fluff, yeah. yeah. Uh, so,
0: yeah, this he's a bartender, and he knows the history of all the drinks. Uh, he's a pickpocket. And mm. Sully is in the bar and kind of pickpockets him and takes the thing he stole. It's kind of like a, like a gotcha, come find me kind of thing.
1: Which, again, we mentioned earlier, is that it seems like there should have been earlier scenes to this of them talking before this particular conversation. There was in the trailer,
0: because there's a whole thing in the trailer where he's joking that he looks too young to be a bartender. I I remember that, because I saw that that first part of the trailer right before I started ignoring it every time it played. That was
1: the part that I always Mm -hmm. got at the start. (laughs) But it was so weird in the movie that we did get in that the very first time these two talk, before he even does the reverse pickpocket thing he's just saying, hey, I see that you were pickpocketing that lady. I've got a job for some ancient gold. It's like, this feels like a very strong come on for what we know is not an accidental meeting later on in yeah. the movie. But at this point, it's like, at this point, Nathan Drake should just be like, "Um, okay, sir, you are clearly too drunk. I'm going to call you the cab.
0: <laughs> I mean, I will say the one upside to this stuff is that Nathan's brother was someone who we didn't even know existed until the fourth game, and mm. I, I think the fourth game might even be the best one from a storytelling perspective. But I remember thinking it felt a little bit like, oh, we're shoehorning in like some backstory here because they never mentioned the brother before. Um, right. So at least with the movie, they they're like already establishing the had a brother, um, like, and in the fourth game you find out you know like he was in prison, which kind of lines up with where he seems to be at the end, you know, when we get like a little glimpse, he's still alive in the, the, the ending. So, yep. cause, cause you think obviously everyone thinks he's dead, uh, throughout most mm-hmm. of the story here, but, so it's nice that they were able to establish that early, assuming that there was going to be more. I'm not sure if there will be more
1: and I don't, you know, I don't really want to see more, I, but the execs want there to be more. Yeah. As of the production of this movie. So they're going to act like there's more while they're making it. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, he, he, finds where... I think you have to find where he lives because when he pickpockets him, he leaves... Sully leaves his business card in, Nathan, in Nathan's pocket.
1: <laughs> but he still makes sure to go through the effort of, like, stealing the keys from the doorman and breaking into his apartment anyway. Yeah,
0: well, I, I guess he was hoping to sneak in and grab it and sneak out without being seen. But, of course, Sully was yeah. expecting him, so he's just sort of waiting for him. Um,
1: Which I was kind of looking forward to that aspect of it in that this movie was kind of just escalating values of gotcha, where it's like, oh, I knew that you knew that I knew that we knew. <laughs> I was looking forward to that being expanded on, but after this scene, it was basically a moot point. Like, it never really came up again.
0: Yeah, I, I do appreciate that he went there looking for Nathan, because I agree, it did feel kind of like, like, he's just coming out with, I need a partner for this job, like this. It yeah. just it felt so forced. But then, of course, we find out that he knew his brother, and he's come come looking for Nathan because... You know his brother was good at this, and that maybe Nathan would know something or figure something out or whatever. Uh, Mm -hmm. And of course, later on, it turns out that his brother had sent him some coded messages in the postcards that he sent him. So there is some hints that he has, but but, he didn't
1: know it at the time.
0: Yeah. Uh, So it's like okay, okay. So you're recruiting uh, the younger Drake to go on your your adventure with you. And I think one of my admittedly smaller problems in the movie, but it happens twice. There's twice in this movie, and one of them's here, where Nathan says, no, I'm not doing it. And then he goes home, and then he just looks at a few of the postcards, and then calls him and says, all right, I'm in. And I'm like, if you were going to make it that easy for him to change his mind, you you shouldn't have bothered like having him refuse in the first place.
1: Yeah, I mean, there should have been a scene where at least, like, something changed. Anything. Like, maybe he needs the money. Maybe he... I don't know. It, it... Any... Thing where there is actual change in nathan's life would have justified it but all it was was oh yeah my brother exists if i yeah
0: it, it makes me think of uh amazing spider-man 2 if, if you brought you brought those movies up yep. earlier but it made me think of that because there's a moment in that movie where peter parker not this peter parker it's uh andrew garfield of course <laughs> the other uh, peter Parker. he just for no reason like pulls a suitcase out of his closet and it's all these like all these parents like mystery you know like stuff that they left when they died Mm-hmm. and there's like no motivator for it there's no motivation for him to do that at that point in the story nothing makes him think of his parents nothing reminds him of this mystery he just does it because the movie needs him to do it to get going yep. and it it felt like that here but it was almost in a weird way more frustrating because like you created this problem like a minute before you solved it in a really like unsatisfying way like you could have just had him agree and then still show him going home to his apartment and still have him looking at his postcards and the ring that his brother gave him and that would tell us what his motivation is. That's why he said yes. And it would but feel see, m- more natural.
1: This is where I think they became far too beholden on the formula. Because they mm. have to have that moment of hero refuses the call. They cannot imagine a story where the hero is just like, I'm in automatically. <clears throat> they always have to have the moment of no. And then they go back and something changes and then they accept the call, but they forgot that second part where something <laughs> changes.
0: It it just it felt so unnatural, yeah. But I, I like I say, I'm fine with that. Being his motivation for saying yes, but he already had that motivation. He didn't need to, yeah. You know, be.
1: I mean, the fact that what this was one weird moment for me is that he, he particularly goes into the box and pulls back out the ring on the oh. necklace.
0: This minor not there's a naughty dog logo sticker on his
1: case. Yes, I did see that. Yeah, um, they he goes back and pulls out the necklace, and I, I think that's the weirder part for me is that it seems like they wanted to have this whole thing where Nate had completely given up on his brother ever actually coming back, and he like stowed all the stuff away, but then he got this is the point where he opens back up to the possibility that he might be able to find his brother again but because we opened with that scene of him having a dream about his brother of the flashback it seems like he never gave him up to begin with it's we're missing mm. that part where he did put his brother away and has moved on
0: yeah yeah i think you because know, obviously it tries to play it here is say like, okay i have to do this for my brother because he wanted to and he was hoping that he'd find him because at this point Sully's telling him the lie that maybe they'll find his brother but we find out mm. later of course that Sully thinks his brother's dead so does Chloe they all think he's dead yeah. uh obviously the ending tells us that he's actually in a prison somewhere and that lines up with the games because he's in prison uh
1: mm.
0: you know uh, at the start of four when before he gets out um so from there, they have to, like, get this, this gold cross, which happens to also be a key, uh, and it's at this auction house. Uh, there's a lot of bits up here as well where he explains that this family... Uh, and Tio Bandera's character is like, the, the big son of this family. Although even he's like in his like, late 50s at this point, so it's not like he's a young man... At the very least, they
1: made his father, like, 80. So no, that's gets... true.
0: But the the relationship still felt like this was meant to be father and, like, son who's maybe just hit his 20s and is, like, yeah. relying on his trust fund. But he's like, no, nah, you're, like, you know, you're, you're, you're
1: old. I mean, he literally <laughs> was relying on his trust fund. That was a part in the movie where he's like, no, that's my money. <laughs> I deserve it. Yeah, for some reason, he's an old man, and for
0: noble reasons, perhaps, wanted to give the family fortune away uh, to... Mm our oh, places yeah hopefully i assume charities and places that would do good with it but he's he's
1: really investing in bitcoin just a little <laughs> too
0: late which by the way when we see him with his father the first time and they're at their headquarters um the, so they've got this like headquarters that's built around these ruins or something like because inside mm-hmm. it's like these ruins and i noticed that these ruins were all like uh like waist high kind of walls And that's actually notorious in the video game because there's so many, like, shootouts where you're, like, ducking behind the cover. And when I saw this, I thought, oh, there has to be a fight scene here later where we actually get, like, a shootout with the the waist-high cover. And then we never see this location ever again. It
1: never goes back there. I'm like, what the hell? I... There's... (laughs) This entire... This is the issue I have with this entire Antonio Banderas plot, is that... Spoiler... He, he never makes it. Like, they he gets the oh, he's, he's red cross herring. keys or whatever. He's a red-haring yeah. of a villain. He's
0: not the real villain.
1: Yeah, and he's killed about halfway through. And I feel like the writers knew that. They knew they were going to get to that point. And so they didn't think that they really needed to give him that much development. But then that raises the issue of, well, if he's not given development, we won't think he's the real threat. So instead, they did just basic lip service of like, "Oh no, he uh, he wants daddy's money, and um, he's hired the other people." That that that's evil, sure. Why not? Yeah. But he never actually does anything as a character besides just kind of smirk in Nathan's direction one time.
0: Yeah, he obviously wines to his dad, and he bids on the key because he wants it at the auction. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. Yeah, we see him for the first time properly at the auction, as well as. The woman that he's hired, uh, her name is Braddock. Apparently, I never heard that in the movie, but sure. I mean,
1: yeah, they said it a few times.
0: Yeah, Uh, played by Tati Gabrielle, who I actually do recognize. She was like kind of the mean girl on the uh, Netflix Sabrina show, uh, *Chilling Adventures of Sabrina*. So uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't know her from something. Uh, So she is kind of your femme fatale character who ends up being the real villain because she just like assassinates uh, (laughs) Antonio Banderas when they're on their way to the treasure later and she's like yeah this is my mission you all work for me and the henchmen are all like yeah like it seems like they kind of even knew that they were really working for her the whole time
1: i mean the way that it struck me was the fact that she owned all of these other people like they were her people mm. and then antonio banderas just hired out her for this mission that's how it struck me. So when he when they keep killed Antonio Banderas, it was just like, well, all right.
0: Yeah, you may be right. I don't know. Uh, there's there's a moment where she's sort of like saying, everyone, no one's got a problem with this, right?" And everyone's just mm-hmm. like, "Yep, yeah, good."
1: <laughs> yeah. Good. Cool. Yeah. Uh, um. So so the heist scene in the auction.
0: Yes. Yes. Which is basically, Wahlberg said to to Nathan Drake. All I need you to do is cut the power. And he's like, How did I do that? I was like, Well, I'm not, like, that's for you to find out. Like, I, yep. I, like I'm not doing all the work for you. That's the whole
1: point of having a partner. So he. And then we get the modernized version of the library research scene. Oh, yeah, the Googling. Yep, <laughs> yep, sitting in his bed just Googling and not even Googling things related to the heist, but also just doing background info on Sully.
0: Yeah, he does background info on Sully. And then he also makes a request. He's like, Hey, I need this, I need this type of suit and equipment, also a cat and i'm like what's the cat for and then it becomes this running gag that he just got a cat because he thinks silly needs a cat so it becomes mm-hmm. this running gag where they reference the cat a few times and then even at the very end in the, the mid credits scene he's got the cat and he's uh like
1: cat is backpack this, is this not a thing from the game <laughs> believe it or not it is not a thing from the game at all oh that blows my mind i thought that was like a thing in the that he was just this oh, major no. cat guy no no I don't think the word cat is ever mentioned in the video game. Why would they do that? <laughs> but it's like it's such, such a, a random addition.
0: It's such a running thing in this movie where like he's like, oh, I hope, I hope the guy in the app fed my cat since we're a different country right now.
1: See, it's weird, though, because, yes, you say it's a running thing, and they do bring it up like two or three times, but between the second half of the second act and the third act entirely, I don't think it comes up at all. Yeah. It comes back in a big way in that mid-credit scene, though. Yeah, the I mid mean, credits. But if you're setting up stuff in your movie just to pay it off in the mid credit scene, <laughs> that's not a good way to structure your movie. I, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. But <laughs> yeah. it, that that solidified the rule
0: of thirds. Is that the cat coming back and being in the backpack at the end? Was solidified yeah. it as like a a you know a running thing to me. Yep. So. Yeah, so Tom Holland sneaks off to go and do things. He kind of eyes up uh, Braddock a little bit because, oh, she's looking at me. And immediately Sully's like, oh, no, don't mess with her. And then it's actually made clear over the course of the movie that this is an ex-romantic partner for for, uh, Sully. And I'm like, wait a minute. Mark Wahlberg's like 50-something. And, like, this woman was playing a teenager in a different TV show like two years ago.
1: Look, man... (laughs) treasure hunting you take what you can get sometimes i guess i I didn't get it It was romantic at first
0: until later on when they're fighting and she's got them in like a sort of chokehold with her legs and she's like did you miss this silly and i'm like whoa (laughs) yeah all right all right
1: (laughs) like i i i guess that's one major thing in this movie is that the everyone is kind of like proportionally aged Mm -hmm. where you know, Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg feel like the proper age distance apart from each other, but I don't think either of them feel like the proper ages that the characters should be. That's that's fair, and that maybe lends to
0: why it's weird that like, because it does feel like Braddock is the same age roughly as Tom Holland. It feels like they're yeah. they're of a romantic age compatible, but so so the fact that Sully and Nate have almost like a father son, in theory, that's what it's supposed to maybe yeah. kind of feel like. Because um, in the games, if I remember right, uh, when you get flashbacks in the third game and you do see young Nathan, I think Sully recruits him when he's still a kid. He's not, like, an adult yet. Uh, so he, he sort of teaches him to pickpocket and stuff when he's still quite young. Or, no, I think he actually still... I think it's still, like, the movie in that they run into each other because Nathan's already pickpocketing. He's already but, he can't, but he takes him under his wing a bit more uh, okay. in the game. I'm mean, it's been a while since I played three, so some of my details here might be a little bit off, but... Um, you know, but it's definitely a lot more, like, you know, Sully's in his 40s in that point, and Nate's, you know, like, 13, 14 or whatever. Yeah. So so it
1: feels like they should—that's the thing, is, like, they feel the proper age gap part, but then all the other characters feel like they have to be more on Nate's level than they are Sully's. Yes, so then you get that weirdness of oh you know how long has he known chloe for yet chloe still feels closer to nate's age than to sully's
0: yeah which yeah it's just a weird thing because they're trying to have their because I, I think in the game it never establishes that chloe's someone that Sully knew first it's just someone from mm-hmm. their past so it doesn't it doesn't matter what age you know she is on that. Yeah. if anything it makes more sense that she is nate's age because it's it's implied that maybe there's there was a bit of romance at some point between them but right. uh you know but here it's specifically no this is someone that sully knows and it's like mm-hmm. does he just know people who are like half his age is that just his thing he goes <laughs> to the matthew mcconaughey <laughs> style of treasure hunting um so anyway uh he Tom Holland goes to cut the power, and then the henchmen attack him, so he ends up fighting them, uh, mm-hmm. and it spills out up, up above. Meanwhile, Sully's bidding in the auction to try and stall for time, because he's he's wanting the power to go out so he can go up and nab the thing. Yeah. Uh, but instead, Tom Holland ends up jumping out of the lighting fixtures above the auction, and that distracts everyone. Uh, so Sully inverts his coat, which is red on the inside, so he looks like one of the... Uh, the workers here at the auction house the ushers yeah and he makes his way out with it so uh i don't really have much to say about the
1: pace itself no, uh, i i think that the entirety of it was a solid enough little scene it was obviously not meant to be this huge set piece after all they yeah. really did was jump on some lights but i think that it did a good job of you know we've set up all the different players barring chloe we see Who's interested in what? We set up both of the major henchmen that we're going to be focused on. So in terms of story progression, I think this did basically everything that the first act that they mostly skipped over should have done.
0: Yeah, I I will say this is not a complaint about this scene specifically. I will say it's kind of weird by the end of the movie how little we see of Nathan actually firing a gun because it's kind of yeah. all you do in the game, right? So it is kind of weird. I mean, they kind of treat it as a big, when he puts on the gun holster in the third act and you hear a little bit of the game's main theme, right? It's mm-hmm. That's them telling you he's just becoming Nathan Drake. They're basically doing the same thing that that last Tomb Raider movie did. Like, she's not really Lara Croft until the very end and right. she gets her signature weapons and the signature pigtails and it's like, okay, now I'm Lara Croft. They're kind of doing that with Nathan Drake here, bizarrely. But it's not like he had some cool moment after he did that. He just kind of, like, fires it willy-nilly, and then he kind of loses it within, like, 30 seconds.
1: I think I would have appreciated there being a sub-arc in this movie of him being crap with guns for, like, the entire time. Like, him, Mm. you know, he gets one very early on, he does a test shot, and just goes way off. And he's just... Every time he has to handle the gun. They kind of did with the lighter throughout this movie. They have, yeah. they have his brother's lighter, and it's just like it's not clicking on, it's not clicking on, until finally you get to the moment where it needs to click on, and it manages to work. I feel like that needed to happen, but with guns, where it's like, oh, I, I don't know how to handle that. And then by the time you get to the end, he's getting to be a pretty good shot.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think... That and more climbing stuff. I feel like if there's two things I associate doing with Nathan Drake, it's climbing shit and and shooting hundreds of people.
1: I mean, they did a lot of parkour over the course of this movie. That might not be the climbing you're looking for, but they definitely... I
0: mean, there was a chase across rooftops that felt kind of like something that's in Uncharted 4, and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's definitely moments. Because, you know, obviously they meet up with Chloe, she's got the other key, and... You know, he chases her a little bit because she tries to run off, and then they kind of...
1: It, it is important to note that after the heist scene, uh, Nathan thought that Sully was, like, abandoning him. Although
0: I, I think he was abandoning him. He just happened to get back to the car.
1: <laughs> yeah, but then, like, Nathan made a whole big deal of his, like, oh, you were you were just going to leave me in there to deal with the fallout? And he's like, oh, yeah, n- rule number one is never get caught. So he he's definitely leaning into that whole i am not to be trusted category
0: yeah uh so they're working together they're trying to figure out where to go which leads them to uh, a church which nathan works out from the, the the book and the clues yep uh which leads to a tunnel underground and like Warburg has to stay up on the streets whilst the others are down in the tunnels eventually there's a part where there's a trap. Well, there's a, there's a few traps along the way. There's some arrows firing out of things and whatnot. But eventually there's a trap mm. where they start filling up with water. So the, the two characters, Nate and Chloe, are almost going to drown. And the way to sort of fix the trap or stop it is for one key to be turned down there and then the other one to be turned up upstairs. But the gimmick mm. here, uh, which I didn't think was a terrible idea, is that they've basically built like a like a food court where like all these artifacts are upstairs like in, on the street level. So the keyhole yeah. is, like, behind glass at what you said is a Papa John's. Was it an actual Papa John's? I just thought it was like a, It was an actual Papa John's. I, I saw the pizza in the background. I don't know if I, I caught that it was actually Papa John's, but...
1: I... Hold on. I'm going to Google real quick how much marketing crossover there was at Papa John's and I'm oh. Uncharted. Because I have to assume there was the Nathan Drake meat special or something like that.
0: Sony movies are notorious for having tons of product placement. Notorious. Oh, yeah. Because because they were definitely focusing on some of the cars in this as well. They were really
1: get a pizza. The actions behind <laughs> the scenes of the Papa John's fight. The Papa John's fight. Oh Lord!
0: I think I would have been all right with this idea if it was like a made-up pizza place for the sake of the scene. Oh, yeah. But because Especially it was Papa John's, it
1: feels a bit. Yeah. Aren't they? Aren't they in? They're in Barcelona, right? Yeah they're, yeah, they're in Spain, yeah. Like, there has to be... I'm assuming, yes, there is Papa John's in a tourist trap. That makes sense. But at the same point, there's got to be some sort of local chain. <laughs> uh, so, so one thing I did want to bring up here is uh, before the flooding scene, you know, they're making their way. They're figuring out all these clues and whatever. And at one point, they go down into these crypts. And the crypts then turn into, like... HVAC like piping and they make their way out through a vent and it turns out that this room they're supposed to end up in turned into like a rave
0: yeah it was a rave that's right at some point I, I, I completely forgot about this until you just mentioned it again
1: yeah this is what bothered me like Okay, you go down and you, you had to do all these crazy things of these keys turning at the same time to get down into this tunnel, but hey, as it turns out, there was another entrance the whole time and it got turned into a rave at some point. Yeah, but that, that, That's what bothers me about these treasure hunt movies is where it's like, no, turns out that clue has actually been found for hundreds of years. Yeah, but then they keep going the
0: path and it leads them to more, you know, hidden places because the drowning room is obviously not in the rave room. It's right. you know, further
1: ahead, and, up. And I... I get that this is where they started the path and it just so happened to cross over into something that has been found, but the fact that, like, again, these keyholes were behind glass at a Papa John's (laughs) and above the bar at a rave, and nobody at a rave ever thought, hey, let's maybe just jam something in that keyhole and see what happens.
0: Well, I probably wouldn't work and open the thing, but they might ruin the lock.
1: (laughs) Yeah, which again could have happened. That's. It just bothers me whenever these sort of things in these treasure hunt movies are like, oh, and nobody has ever been here for 500 years. And it's like, OK, but like there's just a gaping hole where any satellite should have been able to see it, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, this is that
1: same sort of thing where these people have been around this keyhole for 500 years and you're telling me no one ever thought, huh, let's maybe stick some gum in there and mess it all up.
0: And, of course, as they're drowning, right... And, to be fair, a part of the game sometimes is that, like, you're in a situation where you have to figure out how to not die because there's a trap Mm -hmm. going off or something. It usually involves shooting, like, a bit of chain or something that'll, you know, save the day. But... So that felt kind of like something from the game. But while this is happening and they're drowning, uh, Sully's trying to get to the keyhole, but this is when uh, Braddock's shown up to fight him. So they have this fight scene in the Papa John's where... Mm -hmm. They're, you know, going toe-to-toe. Um, she ends up getting thrown into the, the glass to break it. That's how he ultimately gets to the keyhole. But hmm. uh, Chloe almost dies. She's actually unconscious when the, the, the thing opens and, like, you know, yep. Nathan comes up, she doesn't, and then he has to pull her out, and then she you know she, she's fine after a bit. But um, this is obviously meant to be like, oh, maybe she trusts him now because, you know, he saved her life. Maybe she'll start, yep. to, start to bond with him. Uh, she still betrays him, of course, later. Uh, multiple times, oh, yeah. in fact. But, can't uh, trust
1: nobody in these movies can't trust nobody no
0: uh where did they go next i got you know it's just, oh.
1: uh let's see here <laughs> using the two crosses blah 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 so they make their way into that room with the four urns filled with salt that's and...
0: right yes yes yeah. uh there's four urns salt there's no gold here but there's a map to where the
1: gold will be <laughs> And I think this was kind of supposed to be like the turning point scene in the movie where they specifically have Chloe betray Nate, which we thought as an audience shouldn't happen. And we have a moment where because Sully is above the street and again, he's able to talk to them just through a grate, through a sewer grate, and (laughs) nobody ever saw this room through this sewer grate, whatever... But he's able to talk to them and he trusts them enough to give them his key, even though he thinks like, oh, you're not going to double cross me here, are you? So it's showing a bit of growth of trust on Sully's side while demeaning the bit on Chloe's. But the point that they especially make is that Sully was lying about Sam and how he's just disappeared.
0: Yeah, yeah. He says that, you know, they were in a situation where they started getting shot at and he saw Sham get shot, and he just ran for it. And Nathan's not happy about that, of course, but
1: he's like, well, I, was, I was getting shot at. What was I meant to do? I just ran. Yep. Uh, now, can I just say, with this scene, with him saying that, I thought that was going to be our 100% confirmation that Sully was the one who ended up shooting Sam. Like, I was waiting for the shoe to drop on Sully being, a, like, the actual biggest dick the whole time, and it never came.
0: Well, he's not in, well in the game. He's a good guy. Ultimately, so
1: that's fair. But uh, this movie was <laughs> forecasting the fact of hey, he's not to be trusted. He did bad things, blah blah blah, and every other character agrees with that. And yet, it never came to the point where, okay, but like apparently he can be trusted. Yeah,
0: Sally is super likable in the games. There's definitely a little bit in the first game of like, did he betray his... But, you know, it's revealed by the end of the game that he didn't. And then, you know, he's just a loyal friend after that. You know, he's he's loyal to me. I mean,
1: maybe it's just the thing of I expect Mark Wahlberg to be an asshole. Maybe that's just <laughs> all I'm getting.
0: Yeah, Chloe does betray them here, though, and holds him at gunpoint and takes the map. Mm-hmm. Turns out she's actually working for Antonio Banderas. Like, he hired both her and Braddock to, like, mm-hmm. you know, up his odds of winning, effectively. Uh, it's not too long after this, though, when they're on the plane where uh, Braddock just slits his throat, though, and... Uh, Obviously, this puts uh, Chloe in danger because, like, you know, Ryan doesn't really want her around anymore, so she has to uh, make her go. Luckily, though, our two heroes uh, snuck in to the plane by hiding in the car that they took on the plane. They're they're in the the boot or the the trunk, if you're American. And they get out. There's a lot of them two hiding in cramped places in this movie (laughs) together.
1: Yeah. I mean, is that a thing in the games? Because it did strike me as a repeated asset i don't remember <laughs> ever doing it in the game so maybe they just are taking advantage of the fact that this nathan drake is so much tinier oh maybe yeah
0: maybe that's the plan yeah so that this is basically where we get our big action sequence where uh mm. you know the, the the cargo starts to drop out the plane and nathan's
1: like dangling with it off the edge it's not even that it drops out the plane it's that Mark Wahlberg, Sully, gets the map. Just 100% in all the hubbub of Antonio Banderas being killed. He gets the map. But earlier on, when he said that uh, Sam got shot, Sam got shot by Braddock. So now, with them encountering Braddock again on this plane, Nathan has to do the whole big confrontation moment of like, do you remember shooting my brother?
0: Yeah, in fact, he's the one who pulls the thing that actually releases yep. all the cargo that, that's kind of his like a uh, trigger finger thing to, to make her talk yeah yep. uh yeah basically they actually they are very lucky in the sense that they open the car and like come out just as like all the villains are behind oh, yeah. them looking at the back of the plane because they think chloe's like taking a parachute and jumped she's not because she obviously drives the car off later mm-hmm. but like so they're kind of sneaking around and they grab the map and walberg's just like well i'm going to jump <laughs> i've got my map i'm out uh, time for me to parachute so he he jumps out and we have this big action set piece with nathan climbing up the cargo try to get back to the plane and then getting hit by the car and you know physics at this point really takes some weird turns because it feels like you know as he's falling and then you know obviously chloe's in the car that's also falling uh Mm -hmm. there's a point where like he's landed on the car and the car's spinning but they're both like still on the car talking to each other it kind of felt like I don't believe you could stay on top of this car as it's falling like this.
1: Well, see, Spider-Man has adhesive fingers.
0: (laughs) Like, she's kind of still inside, although she actually, like, pops the door off and it just goes flying.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I believe that would happen. As soon as you introduce some wind resistance on a weak part, it just goes flying off. That makes sense. I'm not disputing it. But, so she's at least still kind of in the car
0: and sticking out a little bit, at least. Whereas he's just, like, on the the hood. And he's just sort of hanging on. And I'm like... There is no way that this car is, like, staying, like, horizontal enough that you're like, gravity's not just throwing you off of this thing.
1: Yeah, I think my biggest thing was that in order to save themselves, they have to dive down further to grab hold of one of these big cargo boxes that has a parachute like, yes. pre-attached on it. And I, even if he was in, like, perfect diving form to minimize wind resistance, I don't think there's any way that this spindly-ass man is going to somehow move faster than this giant cargo hold without a parachute. I can't believe he caught up to that. Also, that's the, he caught up quick, too.
0: Yeah, it seems like too easy. Yeah, that's a good point that, to get to it. But also, yeah. this cargo was supposed to be dropped. Right? That was the whole point mm-hmm. of this, is that was, this was cargo that were going to drop into a location from the plane. So I'm like, yeah. wouldn't the parachute be rigged to pop on its own? Like, why, why does he have to pull a thing on it?
1: Yeah, no, that... I mean, the only thing I can think is maybe there was, like, a remote thing that was supposed to happen, but that's... Yeah, no. Or was was people supposed to... They needed the big moment where he has to reach at the last possible second to grab the release.
0: Or maybe, like... They have to send down a guy with each one, so there's like a guy hanging on to each crate as they're going down to pull the pull the string.
1: That seems like a lot of responsibility. I would not be okay with that.
0: <laughs> so the land we get like a so the they're, they're land in the water. So we get a scene where they're sort of like drifting on this cargo floating in the water, and mm-hmm. they crack some jokes about it just being the ocean. And then almost immediately, she's like, "Hey, look at that!" And he turns around, and we find out that they're they're an island. It's, like, it's not even just an island. It's like a resort with like a hotel that they can stay in because. Yep, they just go and get a hotel room, but this, of course, right. So as they're coming up to the shore, I heard a little bit of the music. I was sort of like, but it's not like the because in the game it's like a big brass heroic version of it. Yeah. Here it's just like a little, it's like a xylophone in the background, It's like,
1: it's the steel drum band playing in the background.
0: And I'm like, oh, they're playing. This is why. This is a random moment to play the theme. Why are they playing the theme? And then they walk up onto the beach and nolan north sitting in a deck chair on the beach and he's like hey you guys all right and uh, nate says oh you know i fell out of a plane and just in case you didn't get that this was an important cameo nolan north goes yeah that happened to me once and then they walk off and he looks round at them over his shoulder and the camera stays with them and he says something like Good luck, kids. There's, says something like that. Yeah. It's, it's some sort of like passing the torch moment. Clearly, is what they're going for. It's so intrusive, and it is like I, like I, I, I have no problem with them giving Nolan North a cameo, and I don't even necessarily have a problem with him sort of approving in some way of like the Nate in the movie by saying, "Oh, nice job, kid," or something, because he sees something cool. But mm-hmm. this was grind the movie to a halt. And just have the character wink at the audience. It was really intrusive. I, this, this was beyond any sort of natural yeah. feeling cameo to me.
1: The one that I think of when I think of cameos of like previous mm. people that worked for me perfectly was in Tarantino's Django Unchained. Yeah, that's a good example, yeah. With yeah. the original yeah, Django, yeah. yeah, Franco Nero. He just sits at the bar and he just has a conversation that fits perfectly within the movie. And it just gives the little wink and a nod of like, yeah, this guy knows what's going on. It's completely unnoticeable for anyone who doesn't know, and yet for the people who do, it's like, oh hey, that was really cool that they had that moment. It was kind of- This was this was great in the the audience who is aware of Nolan North, being like, Wow, that's great. But then for the people who aren't aware of Nolan North, there's no way they could just ignore this scene.
0: And I feel like even if you played the games, you still may not know what Nolan North looks like oh, of course. so like even people who play the games might not get this it, it, for me it kinda, it's kind of like uh, the, the the references when we, when we talked about John Wick 3 and he has the line from the Matrix we said how it felt natural mm-hmm. because it still fit in the context of the scene whereas right. so often a lot of references to the like, actor's previous work is like you know the one that always comes to mind and this is fine because it's a sitcom so whatever but so you remember Michael J. Fox was on a sitcom called Spin City where he was the mayor of I think it was New York but um, mm-hmm. he so Christopher Lloyd guest starred in an episode, right? He came in as a like a guest oh, character, okay. and he come on and look, the first thing they say to each other is, um, like Michael J. Fox says, "Oh man, I can't believe this. It feels like we're in the past." And then Christopher Lloyd says, "Nah, forget the past. You always have to look to the future." And it's just it's like a re- and it's like really cringe. It's a sitcom though, so it's not a big deal because like sitcoms right. break that kind of meta fourth wall barrier all the time, but. Mm-hmm. That's almost the level this was. It was Oh yeah. Especially the line Yeah, I done that once. Like that's not a normal thing that someone will have experienced. Like it's just it's mm. here
1: here's the thing. Uh a little bit down the road, and I mean like a little bit down the road, we will eventually do expendables. <laughs> yes. I have seen exactly one Expendables movie, and all of the moments in that movie are on that level. They're all just calling back to their old glory days, and c- c- all the lines are there, mm-hmm. and it's horrible.
0: At least, admittedly, I haven't watched them in a long time, so maybe I'll think it's terrible when we see them. But at least in concept, at least on paper, that's just what that movie's supposed to be. <laughs> so
1: yeah, you're true. kind of
0: agreeing that you're just going in for all these idiots.
1: I mean, I guess for this particular movie, the only if we really wanted to have a Nolan North scene... And have him interact, I think the best possible way to do it is they walk into the hotel, they ask for a room, and the guy just kind of like eyes him up and it's just like, oh, you look like you've been through hell. Like just something like that, something that it, it was an action they were already going to be performing, and so it makes sense that the character's there talking to them. And it's something not too crazy of a, yeah, no, clearly this guy has been hit by a car that fell out of a plane. Like, it's not too crazy like that.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I can't believe how much time was spent talking about your
1: 30-second cameo, but it really stuck out. (laughs) It really did. So... In a movie not so memorable, it's a memorable moment.
0: Yeah, so there's more things to work out, coordinates-wise, and uh... Mm -hmm. Basically, there's some invisible ink on one of the postcards, and Nathan figures it out. Uh, but he tricks Chloe, because he knows Chloe's probably going to betray him. So to test her, he leaves the wrong cord, and it's written down in a bit of paper. So she steals them and pisses off. Which,
1: that scene bothered me, just in the sense of, okay, fine, you want to, like, have her not be a part of the third act, pretty much. Whatever. But the part that bothered me is, he figures it out. He's like ecstatic that he cracks this code and figures out exactly where to be. And I will admit it was a cool code solving scene. They took their time. They made it seem like it actually took him a while to figure it out. I appreciated this scene. What I didn't appreciate is the fact that he decided once he solved it that he was just going to leave the coordinates out and go to bed, which why did he have to test her? That's the part that gets me. Like, for this entire movie, he's been very much willing to give his trust to whoever. But this is the one time where instead of not leaving anything out, he just tests her.
0: Yeah. Because uh, I guess if she was still there in the morning, she said, hey, is this the coordinates? Great, let's go find it. You go, actually, those are the wrong coordinates. I was trying to test you and you passed. But
1: like, he didn't, he didn't have to re- leave the wrong coordinates at all. That's what I'm saying. He could have just packed it all up, put it in his suitcase and went to bed and then the next morning been like, by the way, I figured it out. Let's
0: go. Because she'd already betrayed him, I guess. He wanted to test her. Yeah, I guess.
1: uh
0: Fair (laughs) enough. Um, Honestly, my bigger problem with it is less that he did it and more just that it does write her out of the movie except one little appearance right at the very end Mm -hmm. uh, when she's on the boat coming towards the location. Um, it just felt weird to me to just like i thought she was going to show up and help save the day or something right you know in the third act and she just kind of shows up in waves afterwards and that's
1: uh... i think i think the writers knew there was going to be a good guys versus bad guys and they still wanted you to question whether or not you could trust sully at this point in the movie mm. and they were like there's no possible way we could write a four-way who trusts who in the third act of this movie. We are not that competent. So we're just going to keep it simple.
0: So Nathan goes to the coordinates and it leads them into a, you know, a, co- a cove, a cove, a cove, cove, a cove, a cove, thank you. Uh, and much like the Goonies, there's just a pirate ship. Well, it's not a pirate ship, technically, because the backstory we never really talked about, and I didn't pay much attention to this, but it was basically that Antonio you know ancestors uh, paid hmm. a bunch of uh, sailors or poor people or whatever to go and fetch yeah, to fetch the gold, and they never came back, and they hid the ship somewhere. So he felt entitled to it because, much like his trust fund, this is like this is belongs to him. This is his family lineage. he's allowed to have this. Yeah. Uh, so that's why these ships are there. So there's two ships, two big now, old wooden ships
1: filled with gold. I, I know I keep bringing this up, and I sound like a broken record, uh-huh. but when he came around the corner, and we saw this cove here. Does this strike you as the type of cove that nobody has been in in 500 years? It, it didn't feel hard to get to. Right. And then the only thing that was standing in his way was he had to dive under the water and come back up about five feet later.
0: Yeah, I agree. It feels, especially since, okay. especially since it feels like a nice couple of little islands that people might want to...
1: There's a resort on one of them not too far away.
0: I don't know how close that is to be fair.
1: It could very well be the same
0: island. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not the same island.
1: I, I agree. It's close it's close enough that he got to it by speedboat rather than like taking a charter.
0: It doesn't feel like it was that like impossible to find and there's two giant pirate ships filled now the the gold is slightly hidden and that there's like fake tops to the barrels, but like it's not much. So
1: it may as well have just been like a combination lock on there so, with how difficult it was for them to find so it.
0: So Sully shows up because he was tracking on V's phone app because uh, mm. they set that up earlier. And then it turns out the villains are going to lift out the ships with a helicopter that's missing like most of its body. It's like just the, it's just a cockpit, basically. And then like, the yeah. top with the blades, and then there's no body for anything else to go in. It's just cables coming down to lift something up. Now, at first, when I saw this flying in, I thought oh, it's going to be like three helicopters picking up one ship, right? That was my thought. No, there's one helicopter per ship. And I'm like, could they really lift the
1: weight of this relatively big wooden ship? I mean, I'm currently trying to look up, here we go, Uh, basically the same model helicopter. Yeah. It can carry 28,000 pounds.
0: How much does a classic wooden ship of this
1: nature, we pirate ship weight. <laughs> One thousand tons, which would come out to be two million pounds. So I'm gonna say no. And not only that, they're filled with gold. Which isn't They're filled with gold. But they're also missing a lot of wood because of rock. True, true, so... true, true. Yeah. Um I don't think a million tons worth, but
0: hey, that's i i mean let's even say that's too much and this is much smaller than a, like what they're talking about it's still mm-hmm. it, that just puts in perspective though that there's no way that no. this chopper could pick up this ship and it does it with these but our entire big final set piece is like these two wooden old ships being carried by choppers flying through the air so they're swinging back and forth at one point they're hitting into each other um because Sully, like, commandeers one of the, the choppers, so he's actually flying one of them. Uh, the villain's on the other one, and there's, you know... Uh, this is where Nate actually takes a gun holster off one of the bad guys, and the main theme from the game plays a little bit when he puts it on. Mm. So it's just like, hey, he's Phil full, he's full Nathan Drake now, because he's, he's got the shirt, he's got the pants, and now he's got the holster. He's Nathan.
1: Which, which seems like the cheapest thing to say, now the character is who he is, <laughs> is that, oh, he just puts on a gun holster. He didn't have to learn anything. He didn't have to change anything. He just had to put on a gun holster.
0: Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of swinging. There's a lot of pirate stuff, you know, swinging into the ship and going down the sail and all the
1: rest of it. I mean, the fact that this entire set piece here revolves around the fact that they are taking these two giant pirate ships and slamming them together repeatedly. (laughs) Like, and on top of that, like he, there's a point where The people on the one ship swing over to the other ship via pirate methods, and he fires off a cannon at the other ship, as old pirates would. It's just a pirate battle, but in the sky. Yep. (laughs) I mean, it sounds cool in theory, but in Execution it comes off as kind of like, oh, okay, I guess that's where we're going with it. I mean,
0: don't get me wrong. Some of the big set pieces in the games, especially when it came to... Like, the hidden stuff, you know, the, the secret temples and whatever else. Like, they, they did get ridiculous, right? That was one of the more weird elements of the games. And I, I, so I, I, I can't really look at this and say it's completely, like, against this fabric of what, what the, okay. the IP is. But it definitely does feel a little bit just over the top.
1: Mm. There was one point where they're going through, like, a thin gap.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: Mark Wahlberg thinks he's going to make it out. But then the other ship comes and blocks the way. And so he has to pull up really steep in order to get over this helicopter. And now it's like, okay, well, that's no big deal because when you're pulling upwards, the G-forces just keep you down. So whatever. But then as soon as he makes it over the helicopter, for some reason, he has to go back down again. Thus, causing that big moment where everything goes flying on the ship and it's all zero g for a brief time. And I know they did it for the sake of getting that cool action shot of oh, everyone's flying around. But like, realistically, why did he? He's a helicopter. He can just stay in the air.
0: Is he a helicopter, really?
1: He is an attack helicopter. <laughs> Absolutely. Um.
0: Yeah, I don't know what to say. Obviously, the the big thing is that. You Know eventually the villain jumps over because her ship's getting destroyed mm. and uh she ends up dying. Obviously, she not only does she fall into the water, she then is you know, the, the the ship that falls, lands on top of her. Uh, yes. ultimately, that's that's her demise. The other big thing, though, of course, is that Sully has his backpack full of gold that he's, he's already taken and he has the choice of either saving that or saving Nate. And to complete the arc of the movie, if you want to call it that, is he saves Nate instead and throws the gold to knock off the villain.
1: Which, you in know... A, in a, it's also a perfect mirroring of the very first scene where his brother saves him from falling Yeah, in the flashback.
0: So, you know, it, it makes sense as, like, the character ending to, to, to wrap the story up that way. Uh, of course, Nate reveals that he's got a few bits of gold in his pocket, so they, you know, they didn't come away empty-handed. You know, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll probably get at least a few hundred thousand for there oh yeah for what, what was in his pockets um so that's del- that, he's delighted by that and I, I we get a title screen there but obviously there's a uh, two mm. credit scenes there's one which is just revealing that his brother's alive in prison somewhere yep he's still writing postcards and two uh we get a scene that establishes that nate and sully are a bit closer to their game versions and that they're they're making deals they're trying to like find more stuff and more importantly Sully has his mustache and his shirt uh, from the game, Uh, which
1: I mean, I I told you before this review even started, when we were Mm -hmm. just talking that this scene made me angry (laughs) and it made me angry because this is just evidence. This is 100% pure hard facts of they knew they could have done this the whole time yeah that. they knew exactly what everyone wanted and they chose to withhold it
0: it's the same it's the same thing that all the uh the superhero shows in the cw went through where it can't be green arrow till season four we have to be the hood for a season we have to be like right. we have to tiptoe towards just being the thing that we actually came for so he still doesn't look quite right because you know sully's meant to be a bit older he's got a gray mustache a gray hair you know he's, he's, he's an older man right
1: Apparently does not carry his cat around
0: everywhere, which is still <laughs> no, shocking to me. No, he does not. He does not have a cat in the game. I mean, maybe there's a joke about him having a cat at some point in dialogue, but he, like it, it'll be a one-time throwaway thing. I do not remember.
1: Any this made cat it part. seem character-defining. <laughs> no. no.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he's he's got his shirt, he's got his mustache. Um, oh, they also hint that he's going to smoke a cigar because that's another thing that Silly's doing a lot mm-hmm. in the game. Is he's he's got a stogie.
1: I think they have the thing of Nate picking up a golden gun from the other guy. Is that a thing? Because they really held on it for a while.
0: They're, they're, he picks up different guns. In the game. I think it is a thing in the first game. Because I, I think they're right. talking about Roman in this scene. And I think mm-hmm. I want to say Roman is a villain, maybe either okay. either in the first game or maybe later. Are you
1: telling me that the eye-patched man with the Nazi map is a villain? <laughs> That's insanity. <laughs>
0: yeah and they definitely encounter stuff i think this is setting up specifically the first game story because you do go to an island and there is like a nazi submarine and stuff so i think mm-hmm. there's, def- there's definitely some ties to like world war Two stuff uh that's fair. throughout the story so i think that's what this is doing it's setting up that the second movie presumably would be the first game but if that's the case, though, it feels like this is like everyone's too young here. It feels like if yeah. the, if this is setting up the first game, then it it should have been, I don't know, more of a time jump, I guess, or whatever.
1: I mean, at at a certain point, you have to accept that Tom Holland's one of those actors who doesn't age, yeah, he's, and he's just gonna look the exact same for his entire career.
0: I think he's miscast. I think I think Mark Wahlberg is just someone I don't like anyway, but he's also miscast. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know who you want for Sully, necessarily, but you want someone who's kind of, you know, a little crotchety, he's got some old man jokes, but he still thinks he's he's hit with it. Um...
1: I want Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins.
0: <laughs> I don't think Bob Hoskins necessarily works. Um, I think, actually, there was a short movie uh, that Nathan Fillion did, like a fan movie, where oh. he played Nathan Drake. And if, I want to say his sully in that was Stephen Lang from Avatar, which wasn't a terrible choice, actually.
1: Okay. Yeah, I could see it.
0: Um, I think it was him. I want to say it was him. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, he, he was not a bad choice for it. But de- definitely Wahlberg feels like he's just a bit too young, or at the very least, he's a bit too... He's not willing to go grey. He's pretty, He probably could go grey if he wanted to,
1: but... Mm. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, there's a makeup department. Oh, sure, just yeah, give yeah. Him- Give him some spray and you're done. I just looked it up. It was Stephen Lang. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought it was.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, I'm trying to think of, like,
0: because he's definitely kind of, he, he's definitely inspired by different types of characters and other things. I'm trying to think of, like, like a movie example of a character like Sully. Um,
1: I mean, he, from what I briefly saw, he always struck me as the kind of guy who was heavily inspired in his life by, like, Miami Vice. <laughs>
0: I never saw Miami face, so I don't know about that. But
1: like, just like the shirt and the mustache and cigars and all that stuff, he just struck me as like, yeah, no, the eighties were awesome. Let's go back to that.
0: Uh, that that was probably when he was in his prime, given the timeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's, I think it's impressive that we've talked as much as we have. It's maybe just because I have played the game, so I've got like a mm-hmm. a, a passion for the source material, but also a point of comparison. But we've talked here for, you know, probably just above average in terms of runtime. And mm-hmm. I'm surprised at that almost because the movie's not that interesting. It's actually No It's so generic and and kinda just bland, to be honest, that I'm I'm kinda shocked that we were able to get this much out of it discussion wise.
1: I mean a lot of it was just saying what we would have wanted, but yeah, it's 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 not something that I think made any real impact on me. There's no point of this where I'm saying, oh, yeah, that one scene was really, really good. Like, even its best moments were okay at best. And I wouldn't say that its worst moments were terrible either. It just stuck to the formula so rigidly that it's bleh.
0: Yeah, it's not funny bad by any means. Uh, Or even it's not even that bad. It's just not good either. It's, It's just...
1: it's It's exactly what the summer blockbusters have been for the past like five years it's
0: that it's that problem of just you're so in the in the middle that it it would be just more interesting to talk about a bad movie Mm -hmm. than this and i think this does maybe align slightly into the bad side just because being this bland is enough to be called bad yeah but Mm -hmm. you know it's a different type of bad than other things and obviously as an adaptation it's like, I kind of respect that it wants to do a prequel to the games. That's slightly interesting if I felt like they nailed it. But, you know, again, Last of Us just finished. and In episode one, I was like, holy shit, that's Joel. Holy shit, that's Ellie. I could feel yeah. those characters in a different form coming from my screens. They'd nailed the casting. They nailed the writing of those characters. And with this, like, all I'm seeing is Tom Holland generic character. I'm seeing Mark Wahlberg play Mark Wahlberg. I'm not feeling anything. It's... And the sad part is is that I knew as soon as they cast the roles that that's what it was going to feel like. And the movie did nothing to prove me otherwise.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it is, there's, as you were saying, there's a difference between bad as in like, you know, horribly made and bad as in this. And it's just generic. It's every single Sony movie, like you said at the beginning, it has this lifeless feel to it. There's no soul in it. It's you can practically just see in the background of some shots the accountants going like all right well this should make this much money that'll budget off for this year and it's it's a paint by numbers movie that just happened to have the backdrop of uncharted which is kind of a shame cuz I, I i think if you give
0: it to a director who's a little bit more talented and has a bit mm-hmm. more you know Ruben Fleischer such a workman director he's such a studio friendly just like guy you get a movie out if you give yeah. this to someone who makes just good movies that are fun, like, I think if you handed Uncharted to, say, Matthew Vaughn, who did Kingsman and Kick-Ass, I, yeah. I think you could come away from a, with that with a good Uncharted movie. Probably recast some of the roles as well, admittedly, but oh, yeah. I think if you hand him Uncharted, I think you would get the heart because I think all of his movies, by and large, have, have heart, which is why I like Kick-Ass and, and Kingsman so much, is that I kind of feel something for those characters by the end. The, here I just,
1: I just i feel nothing i'm dead inside yeah. i mean yeah that's i made the joke earlier not everyone here is dead inside but no this movie is just no matter who's going into it unless you are a massive tom holland fan which i know those exist yes i can't see anything that you would watch this movie and be like i really enjoyed that movie throughout yeah and
0: uh, you're to- your main talking points other than just the really forced cameo are there's a fight scene in a Papa John's to, you know, for product placement reasons, yeah. and also, um, what was the other thing I was going to say? There was something. There was something else stripped that I was going to
1: bring up, but never mind. Uh, there was Bubble Yum. Bubble <laughs> Yum was the other massive product placement. For some reason. Does he chew gum in the games?
0: I don't think he I don't think you ever see him eat anything in the games once.
1: So why do they, I don't understand these character defining things. Again, maybe he does it in
0: like one scene in one sequel and I'm just not remembering it, but it's definitely not a character defining element that he chews bubblegum.
1: He's here to kick ass and chew bubblegum and he's brought a lot of bubblegum.
0: <laughs> um at least implying Sully's a kind of a ladies' man is something that is brought up in the game. Like you never see him with okay. a lady, but he does. They kind of joke about it a little bit that he's, you know.
1: Okay, fair
0: enough. Uh, but that's all I've really got. I, eh, it, it's it's a, it's a video game movie, and every every <laughs> bit of like weight that comes with that statement is there, and it will not surprise you in any way, shape, or form. Nope. So. Needless to say, I will never be watching
1: this again. Uh, David, would you like to rate Uncharted out of 10? Oh, boy. Okay. This is actually a really tough one, because it is such a different kind of bad than, like, the Super Mario Brothers 93 movie was. Oh, that's way that better. It's hard. I, I'll, I'll watch that a hundred times before I watch this again. Oh, yeah, again. no. But uh, but it's, like I said, it's a different type of bad. That one's an entertainingly bad. This one's just bad. But, like, how does the number come out differently? And I got to say that while this one does have the production value behind it, it is a spectacle movie. Again, no soul, nothing to it in that regard. So I got to give this one, I think, a... I'm going to go with a 3.5. I think that it's it's just boring throughout. And while some people might get something out of it, even not having any experience with the Uncharted games, I could tell that this was not a great adaptation.
0: Because it's too generic, right? You can can feel how generic it is. Whatever makes the game special is not here.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's what's missing. Uh, Yeah, it's it's tough to rate, actually, because I feel like if I go much lower than you, I feel like I'm doing it out of passion because I like the games, and I don't think it necessarily deserves to go that much lower. Right. Um... Honestly, this might shock you. I'm actually going to go slightly higher and give it a four. Okay. Um, I just feel like going down to a three is it's just too low. Like, there's just yeah. too much. There's just enough production value in it, and you know, like proficient, like you know, of all the technical qualities, yeah. that I I can't really go lower. Um, and I'm trying to balance out just my my bias because I like the games a lot, so it's easy to be annoyed at it for what it is. But right. um you know, I think the objective things that aren't here is I think it's quite dull. I think it fails to make you care about the characters, it doesn't have a soul, like we said, and the action while on paper I get why the big set pieces are supposed to be super exciting, it kind of is mostly just them flailing around in front of a green screen and then the rest is CGI. Yeah. And that kind of hurts a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, like, you know, good action comes from geography a lot of the time. And right. I'm just, you know, I I just think it's, uh, it's lacking in that department. So, yeah, I will go with the four. Uh, as far as making the cut goes, um, which, by the way, everyone, we've officially named the sixth uh, tier of this. Mm -hmm. um so you know as you know the 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 scale here that we have to agree on at the end is the highest honors is a cut above underneath that is makes the cut and then underneath that is cutting it close and then below that we go to cut from the collection we go to cut your losses and then used to be the lowest the lowest tier now the zero if you will is it cuts deep so that's the scale we're working on here Uh, Where do you think this is landing? Your first feeling?
1: Uh, It can't make it to cutting it close. It's got to be beneath that. Oh yeah, Um, absolutely. I think we put Mario 93 at Cut From The Collection. I don't think this one's bad enough to be a Cut's Deep, so I'm somewhere between Cut From The Collection and Cut Your Losses. Do I think it's worth even a single watch is really the differing point there
0: uh i would say no so i'd go cut your losses
1: that's fair i I,
0: I don't think it's anger interesting enough to get it cut steep but i i think it has cut your losses i this is it, it's kind of like another generic blockbuster that feels like you're just getting generic blockbustery things but it's also another in the line of just mediocre to shit video game adaptations it's kind of the 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 blandness of both of those things mushed together into just yep. a really unsatisfying two hours so yeah cut your losses as our official uh ranking at the end so uh there you go and that'll wrap up video game adaptation season um, Woo. which uh means next time we're starting off our fast and the furious uh season.
1: wait no can we go back
0: <laughs> uh, we're <laughs> not doing the whole franchise we're doing the first five um because obviously the new one's coming out we're tying into that but they're also doing a number 11 either next year, or maybe they've pushed it back a little bit, but the plan is to yeah. do 1 through 5 for 10 coming out, and then mm-hmm. do 6 through 11 when 11, because to maybe the last one, I believe. At least that's what
1: they're yeah. saying. They're choosing to stop printing money. Wink.
0: Well, I mean, the actors are going to die eventually, so they have to <laughs> They have to try and pick an endpoint point at some point. The technology's
1: point. there. They can act forever now.
0: Vin, Vin Diesel, Fast and the Furious 14 is going to be him having wheelchair races and then old folks on. No, no, no.
1: No, see, they're going to do the Scorpion King route, where we get the flashbacks to before Ah. Fast and Furious 1, where it's a different actor. Okay, okay. yep.
0: I'm just imagining two old men in wheelchairs, and then the the, the hot young chick, your street racer chick with a flag in the middle, like, waving the race on. (laughs) I mean, I watch it strictly out of how could they possibly do this? Actually, if you want to see a good wheelchair race, I would recommend uh, the Tom Cruise movie directed by Tony Scott, Days of Thunder, where Tom Cruise and Michael Rooker are so competitive because they're both car racers, that when they're in the hospital after having an injury and they're both in wheelchairs, they start racing down the hallway. And legit made me laugh. It was actually a really good joke because okay. it, it, was, it was well established that they were very competitive, so it, it made sense. But I'm saying that they've got that to beat if they ever do. <laughs> <go down that> <laughs>
1: <route>. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see it eventually
0: yeah anyway uh so that's what's coming next time uh and i will tell you right now i am not looking forward to these fast and the furious movies
1: i have never seen any of them in any meaningful regard. i so. think
0: they're going to be easy watches when we get to five but i hated the first one when it came out Oof. and right. i hated what i saw of the second one and i've never seen three or four i'm not looking forward to these first four at all but
1: well tune in next week <laughs> who knows maybe, maybe maybe
0: they'll be all right i don't know yeah. uh nah they won't be they won't be <laughs> <laughs> but anyway that is uh that is our our uncharted episode let us know what you thought of uncharted in the comments below of course you can like subscribe ding the bell for notifications all that stuff and of course you can support us by going over to patreon.com slash mailfuzz tv and getting some bonuses for your trouble at the three dollar tier uh you get a bonus episode every month that usually in some way will tie into whatever the current season is uh for video game movies of course we did the second street fighter movie the legend of chun Li. so you can go get our thoughts on that train wreck uh on patreon uh or as a youtube member if that's your your more preferred route and the five dollar tier you get another show monthly called the collector's cut extra reels where we do so bad it's good kind of cult movies uh you know we've done uh dangerous men miami connection deadly prey some of these are available for free on YouTube or Tubi and places like that. Not all of them, but some of them are, so if you want to watch them as well. but yep. um, So yeah, you get some bonuses. You get bonuses for other shows we do in Mail Fuzz Movies. So go and support us over there. Or if you want to hit us with a one-time super thanks on YouTube. Uh, you know, Well, yeah, any support is obviously appreciated, so thank you very much. And
1: don't forget the soon-to-be millionaire tier.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, the millionaire tier. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to make it a million dollars because that would be... No. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. But if you're a millionaire you can afford 10 grand. So I'll make it 10 yeah. grand.
1: <laughs> the 10 grand tier. Just give me 1/100th of everything you own and <laughs> we'll be good.
0: Yeah. Uh so I also take this time to thank our Patreon producers. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Indepalicias, aboard now Christopher Moy, David Brown and Al Treisman. Thank you very much. And we will see you all again next week for The Fast and the Furious. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies and uh 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 ugh. I feel like I should have like a quote from the game or something to hit you with, but I I I, I don't, so uh, and, uh...